This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This special episode of Really 007 was recorded before the announcement that No Time to Die will be delayed until April. But wait until the end and we'll add our own reaction to that delay. Welcome to another episode of the Really 007 podcast. For the fans, by the fans. Join into the conversation on social media. We're present on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to the podcast. We have a bumper roster for this episode. Accompany me are Rob Parker, also of the For Your Reconsideration film podcast. We've also got Chris Goldie and my younger brothers, Matthew and Harry Pickup. And tonight we will be discussing and previewing No Time to Die. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? I need a favor, brother. You're the only one I trust for this. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. The one that works. I thought you two would get along. Name? Bond. James Bond. So you're not dead. Hello, Q. I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose... control. James, you gave up everything for her. secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. 
is it? You don't know what this is? James Bond. License to kill. History of violence. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after I'm gone. History isn't kind to men who play God. So, No Time to Die will be the 25th official instalment. Of course, we, we don't always include Never Say Never Again in our uh, tally. Uh, it'll be the 25th instalment in the James Bond film series when it's finally released on the 12th of November here in the UK and the 20th uh, of November in the US. After an inexplicable five-year wait since the previous entry, Spectre, there's been a further seven-month delay due to coronavirus epidemic. Originally slated for an Easter release, the producers decided to move fast and uh, book the more traditional pre-Christmas slot, when cinemas will hopefully be properly back up and running. So, in anticipation of getting to watch 007 on the big screen, we'll explore the history of the production, who's involved with the making of the film, and what we can expect from what looks like being Daniel Craig's last appearance as James Bond. Well, we'll find out sooner or later. So... Developments of the film began in early 2016, which seems a long, long time ago now. And by March 2017, so even longer, uh, another year had gone by, screenwriters Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, who've worked on every Bond film since The World Is Not Enough, were approached to write the script. So, guys, uh, first of all, we know the work of Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. I think the first film they worked on was uh, The World Is Not Enough, and they have featured on every single every single Bond since. Chris, what what do you make of them and the sort of direction that they've taken the Bond series in? Well, I don't want to sit on the fence, but I think they're the worst thing to ever happen to <laughs> the Bond series. Not to be too dramatic, but I honestly think they, they, they are. I think they're too honest to God hacks who somehow got you know i don't know if they're blackmailing them i don't know what they've got you know in a safe somewhere but how on earth they are asked to keep coming back for each of these films it starts off with a decent premise and it all just just falls to pieces it go, it goes back to horrible cliches it goes to every time they're involved my heart sinks that's the, in a nutshell <laughs> <laughs> But some of them, they have they have had a co-writers on, I think, on most of them yeah, since I, uh, Casino think, Royale. Yeah, and I think what happens is that they, they, they attempt to, to get another writer involved to start off, and then Broccoli and Wilson get cold feet and think, oh, no, we don't like this, too much change. You know, let's, let's, let's keep, keep getting them back in again. And they rewrite it, and it just becomes an incoherent mess again. And I think that, that, that really they just need to, 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 to get rid of them. Uh, and it, you know, and it's it, the one thing I'm looking forward to, you know, for, for this new one is the fact that you know the director has a writing credit. 
you obviously got uh, Phoebe Bridge Waller or Waller Bridge. I can never remember which one it is. Um, so it's nice. It's a bit of fresh blood in there. You know, John Logan was hired, you know, with Skyfall and then with Spectre, and he was supposed to do this one as well. And again, you know, a playwright, interesting writer, written some great films, Any Given Sunday, great film. You know, a writer. Of, summer, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of some quality. And I think, again, they hire them and they just don't trust them. And then that's why they keep bringing back these two hacks. <laughs> Rob, would you describe them as hacks? Well, I mean, I, you know, um, the writing world is a really tough one to get into, um, especially the film writing world, I think. And their resume is literally let him have it in 91, Plunkett and McLean in 99, you know, an eight-year gap, and then wall-to-wall <laughs> bond for the next twenty years. I don't, I do not understand. Johnny English in there. Johnny English is in there, yes, but that's. I mean, John, let's face it, Johnny English. The last, you know, two. I've not. Is there three Johnny English films? Yeah, three now. Yeah. Sorry, I've not seen the latest one, but the first two were the be- best Bond films I've seen since. <laughs> since World is not enough. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it, but because I, I, very truthfully, I haven't enjoyed a single Bond film they've been, they've been involved. In. And I think he's become again his premises. Like World is not enough has great premises and they're great characters, but it never fulfills, it never fulfills you know its promise. And you look at all the films that are involved in, and I, I wonder if these great premises are other people and they've come in and water it down so it's like let's add a joke here let's add you know a raised eyebrow here and it's this top tip box ticking exercise mm. and at the end of it it just becomes this bland you know uninteresting films as most of them have been for the past <laughs> is it a case of too many cooks spoil the broth math do you think because they've they've always had more than two writers and of course, it's the producers who are seen to be dictating where they want Bond to go, and obviously we'll get onto it. But Danny Boyle, obviously, it was it wasn't good enough for him as a creative process. Um, well, obviously, I mean, I don't know how they operate, but clearly they they write together. Um, it, it, I mean, I don't know how specifically they work it, but the way it's credited is that they they write together, and then that would then be passed to somebody else to have a look over that you know that draft or that whatever. Um, they've come up with and, and work from there um so i don't know about too many cooks because there have been decent films where you know either a, a, a single person writing or a duo writing have written something and then it's gone on to somebody else who's who's had a shot at it you know some films have loads of people taking a pass at them um but yeah i, I just i think um just personally speaking about about them there are some films i think are okay watchable I, I don't know whether any of their films, for me personally, I would describe as much more than okay. Bond, they're Bond films. Um, probably my personal favourites, I would maybe say um, World Is Not Enough and Skyfall for me personally. Um, but they aren't up there with the classic Bonds for me. I mean, they don't they they don't compare to um, to you know some of the some of the Connery, um, you know, On a Magic Secret Service some of the Roger ones and both of the Tim ones. So, yeah, so I don't know whether, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't say the issue is too many cooks. I would say the issue is possibly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the two that they did on their own, the two Bond films they did on their own were the first two. So World Is Not Enough and Dying of the Day. And I mean, we, we could spend hours talking about both those, but 
The world isn't enough, certainly. I know John, who isn't here with us today, he, he's a massive fan, a massive defender of that film. Ha- Harry, are you are you mad keen on that or and, and the subsequent ones that they've been involved with? On The World Is Not Enough? Yeah. No, I'm not mad keen on it, no. I don't. <laughs> oh, no, uh, no. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd, I'd have to revisit it and have a proper review of it. Um, but it's not one that's stuck in my mind... It's not one that I go back to and watch on repeat. Um, and, no, well, yeah, I don't think any of theirs are. I think the most, the mo- the one that you can revisit the most probably is Skyfall because it's quite straightforward and um, it probably suits a Sunday afternoon most. Um, but I think, although they've not been memorable, as memorable as the others, probably Skyfall, with its success, will be... A success enough that they'll they've bought themselves a, a few more Bond films. It's just whether they should have got to the step. They shouldn't have made it to Skyfall, probably. Um, it's it's I, odd that I they agree. were chosen sort of after Die Another Day. They were given another chance, even though the, the producers had gone Everyone in a completely different direction. Yeah, everybody else was sacked basically. But well, apart from Judy Dench in a time loop, which we discussed on the M uh, episode. Um, in, in terms of the going back to the history of it, so we've got the first two writers on board who were sort of brought in before they've even had an idea. Um, but Sam Mendes, of course, had been massively successful with Skyfall, massively less successful, we'd say, I think, with Spectre. But in terms of the producers, they were very happy with him. Uh, and he, he was brought back to the fold once, but uh, never say never again. So he was uh, he was out of it. He wouldn't be returning uh, to direct. I believe Christopher Nolan ruled himself out to direct. I don't know whether he was officially asked, but you can't personally picture uh, him doing one at the moment. Other other names involved were Jan Demang, uh, David McKenzie, and Denis Villeneuve. All these very 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 impressive uh, directors with great CVs. They were courted apparently, uh, and I think Villeneuve ruled himself out because he was uh, filming June. Which, ironically, uh, of course, Hans Zimmer uh, is a, was unavailable, wasn't he, for Tenet to score that because he was doing June. And we'll, we'll talk about Hans Zimmer later because he is now scoring this film. So it's, there's been so many changes oh. in pre-production compared to, yes, uh, compared, compared to most of them. So, lads, I don't know whether, he, I mean, there's no need to talk too much about Christopher Nolan. We all know we all know what he's done. Uh, I don't know whether you, how familiar you are with uh, Jan de Mang. He, he, he did the... I don't know whether you've seen the Jack O'Connell military drama 71 and a film called White Boy Rick starring Matthew McConaughey and he's done he's done TV work such as Top Boy and Lovecraft Country the new, new one on Sky um, I, I'm not massively familiar I have seen 71 um, but I think it's it's like a young, younger upcoming director that they perhaps were, were going to look at are you, are you familiar with his work Chris? I don't know yeah, same with you. I've seen 71. I thought it was really good. I think it was a great kind of tight kind of thriller and it was like really, like, you know, really clearly a kind of up-and-coming sort of talent. Not seen much of his other, other work, but again, it's, it's it, <laughs> there's always that promise of, yes, we'll bring in some fresh blood, but they never, you know, they never, there's no risks anymore or there's no, or when it is, you know, when change comes, it becomes, it's too considered for it to be exciting. You know, like, like with Casino Royale, it's like, Let's start from the beginning, but really, there's nothing really new there. <clears throat> but I think you know, like the idea that Nolan was ever director, I don't think he, he, he ever would, particularly not under the, the 
the scrutiny of Broccoli and Wilson. I just don't think they would even offer him final cut. And I think that's been a problem in the past with a lot of directors is that, that the producers have far too much mm, control yeah. over this. So you can't get Christopher Nones and you can't get Deal Nerves and you can't get all these interesting directors. You can get young you know, directors who are keen to do something uh, or ones that it's quite clear that the kind of the, the visions kind of, you know, a similar, obviously, with this new director, he must have kind of, you know, it must have aligned with him. But yeah, I think it'd be great for them to, to, to risk. And that's why they end up coming back, you know, as great as Martin Campbell is, that's why they keep getting Martin Campbell back for that. And I don't know how old he is now, but he could be <laughs> he's, he's a bit old. in his wheelchair. Right, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and you know, and he's he, and, and to be fair, in, 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 in the post kind of, you know, Dalton days, he stands, you know, some men is, is, a, is a decent director, but as an action director, Martin Campbell is better than anyone he's ever been involved in terms of he understands action, he understands pacing, he understands how it's constructed. Um, and, he, and each time he wants to bring Bond back into the modern age and each time they start that way and then it just drops. As soon as he leaves, it just mm. becomes bland again. And that's that, and that's the problem is that, that I, to be honest, with you, I, you know, I would like to see, you know, Brock and Wilson retire with Daniel Craig and someone else to, to, to take yeah, over yeah. it because it's 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 stale because of that. What do you think? Can I ask? Do you think that um, Bond has, has always been known for being, you know, a trendsetter? You know, whether it be in terms of clothes or technology or gadgets or effects and stuff like that. And now, you know, the rest of the, I think Bond has struggled to be a trendsetter, um, especially with you know. I mean, we've all talked at length about how it seems like that there was a sort of um, um, trying to copy what the Bourne films did, especially in the middle of the 2000s with Casino Royale and, and, and onwards. Do you think that, therefore, that the only way to, like, it, they seem to be making conscious, fashionable choices in terms of people they get in to do a right, you know, on this, or, you know, like like the names that get mooted around with it. So, you know, like, well, Paul Haggis had had a really good, you know, run with Crash. Quick, let's get him in as a stunt, you know, a fashionable stunt um, involvement. And now this time with um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, you know, it feels like... Reactive? Feels, yeah. yeah, it feels reactive and forced. Like, look, we are progressive. We are moving ahead. We're not. We're not a defunct old franchise. We are using modern, the modern best of the best, you know. And it just feels like just. Ugh. Yeah, I, I, no, I absolutely agree with it, and I think it's to do with consistency. And there isn't a consistent. The only thing that's consistent is is the the weak direction from Broccoli and and, and Wilson that they are they're always there to like say water things down and they try and be brave and it never happens, you know they try and bring it relevant but then it seems very tokenistic it's like you know I, th- I think you know Phoebe Waller Bridge is a fantastic writer you know has, has obviously proven herself with the first series of you know Killing Eve and and you know and, um, and Fleabag so it's great to have bring her in but if you're only bringing her in to then write the female dialogue if you're only bringing these things in it feels forced and that's the moment when everyone kind of steps off and this is not what I wanted but if it's a natural kind of actually you know we, we need to get some young blood in this we need to to be, you know, a bit more exciting in our choices. And I think, you know, the director for this is, is a bit more exciting. And the fact they've gone for, a, you know, a non-English director or non-European director it shows that, I don't know if that, is that a good thing or is it just the slim pickings in terms I, I of who actually wanted to do it? I think it's about <laughs> the only thing, the only thing that's holding any interest in this film for me is the director. Because yeah. um, I absolutely adored True Detective to pieces. Um, 
visually, story, everything about that is, I think it's the best thing I've ever watched. Season one, of course. Seasons two and three are ex- extremely funny. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> Especially season, season two, yeah. Season two is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I heard he was directing, that that actually, you know, and I know I've just, you know, such a hypocrite, lamented stunt casting of certain roles. Whereas in this, you know, like, I was like, wow, I would like to see what he does with this. I just don't want it to be under this current setup with these writers and this actor as bomb. Yeah, I think ultimately that I think whilst Broccoli and Wilson are in charge, they're not gonna be progressive enough. Nothing nothing massive is gonna change. And um like the the names that have been mentioned like Nolan and Vilner, you know, I I really love their work. But at the same time I I do wonder whether I do whether I want them to direct a bond at this stage. I don't think I would I, and I don't think it would be right until there was a, a proper change from the top and a fresh vision. I don't think I'd like Christopher Nolan to come and direct one, possibly two films, and then someone else. It doesn't seem correct to do that. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. If, like to do with if they're being, you know, when it's an auteur, like someone who wants to be everywhere and has everything to do with the production. They can't fit into Broccoli and Wilson's model. They can't, and, it, and I, so although I really love those directors, and I love who we're getting for No Time to Die, you can't be sure that you're going to see the best of them under the current regime, as it were. It's a bit like yeah. you know, it's art by committee. You know, it's it's just too mm. too kind of uh, yeah. It's just everything's like I say everything's a bit watered down. And like you say, if you want someone who is exciting, they want creative control, and that's basically what happened with Danny Boyle, isn't it? Is that he wanted to, to yeah. change direction, and then it's like, well, that's, we don't want the direction. So well, what, how, why did you hire them in the first place? TV director, you know, <laughs> and just you know, do it yourself. Well, that's it, isn't it? And I know, and I know that, that, that the Bond franchise is, is worth so much money. You know, it, it is, and there's so much weight that comes with it. When there's a new Bond film, it is kind of like the record. There's the, you know, there's the tie into the clothes and the cars and, you know, and, and all the rest of it in the Heineken. But, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> but it's, it's it, at the same time, it, that's what's making it really boring is that, that, that there's nothing new. You know, can't, can't, you kind of struggle to think of a decent, like those, those kind of fond moments in the last, you know, 20 years. You know, there's ones that really stick with you and it's just yeah. an action scene. The hair-raising moments of like golden eye in the tank, those sort of things. Not seen that really since. But yeah, I, I think the other two things that have got in the way, first one specifically for the last film was the rights to Spectre and Blofeld. So any plans that they did have, they were always going to bring that in, weren't they? So the, the, the title of the film sort of gave away who the baddie was going to be, didn't it? <laughs> and then, of course, they changed the plot, didn't they, to retcon the other Craig's one. But the Daniel Craig himself, it's always, will he be back? Will he, will he, work, will he or won't we? I know we had that with Dalton and Roger Moore. Sorry, um, Sean Connery and Roger Moore. But the direction of it was already decided. Um, they knew which novels they were going to do. They knew the, roughly the, the course they were going to take. But if each one is going to be, oh, Bond, he, he's going to retire possibly at the end of each one. He hates it. It's basically just Craig's personality, isn't it? So that if you've if you no idea where you're going from one minute to the next, you don't know when it's set in terms of how much of a rookie he is and how experienced he is. You've brought in, as we've discussed, uh, Ray Fiennes as the new M, but who knows whether he'll be in the next film. Uh, you just, they just... 
they've got into an almighty mess in terms of the direction because of that lack of single vision. If you look at the the ones in the 80s, it's all John Glenn and all of them are written by uh, Michael G. Wilson and Dick Maybank, all of them, that's it. And it, it, it must have been a lot easier. And you could say that that restricts it from the creative uh, minds of, you, you know, your, your Nolans and your Villeneuve's, but you know what you're getting. And like you say, Harry, I think if a new director came in of that ilk, I mean, when people have discussed Tarantino in the past, I just have no idea how that could possibly work uh, in this franchise at the moment. There's, not that I'd want it particularly, but uh, we, we did it mention... It would be your granddad's James Bond, would it, really? <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. It'll be some... Well, even if it was a pastiche of the old ones, it'd be better than some of these ones. But Yeah, so we, we did mention uh, Danny Boyle. Now, he... He was actually appointed as director three years after Spectre was released. So you can see how slow the, the wheels are turning. And his original pitch, apparently, to, to Broccoli and Wilson, saw him replace the Purvis and Wade script with that of his regular screenwriter, John Hodge. And elite casting sheets described the male villain as a cold and charismatic Russian, which might have uh, been kept in the script, possibly with Rami Malik's character, uh, and the female lead as a witty and skillful survivor. I mean, that's fairly uh, nondescript, isn't it? Again, we don't know whether that was going to be Leah Sidhu continuing her character, which she now is. Uh, production uh, apparently also wanted male supporting roles of Maori descent with advanced combat skills. So goodness knows what that was going to involve. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right, they, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Desperate for The Rock to get involved, wasn't he? Yeah. But they, uh, Danny Boyle and uh, John Hodge, both left in August 2018 due to creative differences, apparently. Um, and it, I think this is like the first time it's ever happened in the history of the productions where a director's been hired, worked on it, and then left, as far as I'm aware. Um, r- the rumours were that he wanted to kill off Bond. I don't know how true that is. But all we know is that the Uber producers didn't, didn't want them. I mean, what... What do you think about uh, Danny Boyle, Matt? What do you think? I mean, he's he's a Berry lad. We're us three pickups are from Berry, so we're very proud of him as a director. But would you would you have backed him as a Bond director? Um, I would have been really um, interested and almost like re-energized to see what it would look like. Um, it would definitely be a new new thing. You know, he's got a very unique kind of vision of for his films, and uh, and yeah, and and I would actually say. I watched his last film, um, that was the last, um, yesterday, that was the most recent of his films that I watched. And even though you could tell his style of direction and everything, um, it did feel probably more like a Richard Curtis film than a Danny Boyle film, I would say, overall. Um, yeah. yeah so it would have been interesting to see how much he was, you know, pulled pulled away from his own vision Um to go in that which he'd been kind of directed to by Wilson and Broccoli, um, but I would have really liked to have seen it. It would have it would have been it would have been fresh and you know he, he's he's someone who when he when he brings a new film out, you know most people most people want to watch, well most people I know want to watch the film or have some interest to in doing so. You know it's, it's a bit of an event when he brings out a new film, um, more so than the majority of directors who've done Bond films. Uh, Possibly more than Sam Mendes, I would say. Um, 
So it would have been really interesting, and it is a real shame that he hasn't done. And even though I am really interested with um, Kerry Fukunaga, I I think it's a real it's a real shame that Danny Boyle didn't get a shot. He was involved with the the Olympic ceremony, wasn't he? Where Craig perhaps his best appearance as James Bond <laughs> with uh, the Queen and the Corgis. Uh, I think Danny Boyle directed <laughs> the whole thing, didn't he? So there is some slight history. Um, but of course, I don't think Broccoli and Wilson would have been involved with that. <laughs> they weren't getting in the way of that one. <laughs> well, because it was actually good. <laughs> Rob, did you, am I right? Did you you saw that live? Is that right? I was there live. Yeah, I had a oh, week next to Jackie Chan in the toilets, <laughs> <laughs> in an all white tracksuit. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and what was Jackie Chan wearing? <laughs> no, seriously, the artistic vision of that was astonishing, and it meant that like, I, you know, and the music direction as well was amazing. I would have watched anything Boyle has ever done, you know, before or since, um, because of that. And I, and as it happens, that's the only time I felt that um, that Daniel Craig was Bond. It's the only ever yeah. time it's the closest he's ever got. I think. Do you think it's sort of Danny Boyle's, you know, vision? that, you know, got binned was, you know, to kill off Bond. That, I mean, that's how much of a mess and a tangle it's got in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In that, does that not tell you something, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that has to be the last Bond ever, does it? Yeah. It's just, just how many directions just, can it go in at the moment? <clears throat> just, that's why I mean, just go back to basics. Yeah. This is the worry I have about this new one is that um, this, it feels like so many it, – it, it's desperate to be terminal, you know, desperate for something to come to a very serious resolution. And, of course, there's all sorts of spoilers knocking about about people who may be involved, and I don't you know, don't want to necessarily ruin the movie for anyone aside from the, the trailers. Um, but it all seems extremely like, right, this is it. This is the last roll of the dice, and this is the future of this character is all going to get wound up and sewn up here. And it's just so unnecessary. And I think, they've, like you say, lads, they've written themselves into a corner here where you just can't go any further than just put a bow on this, um, rightly or wrongly. I mean, Craig's the longest-serving Bond now, thanks to all these delays. And it, when we look back at this, if this is his last one, obviously, I mean, it would take it would take an absolute a miracle, I think, at this point, for this to redeem his run of films, to make me think, <laughs> wow, what a great Bond he was. It would just take something out extraordinary, and I just don't see that from you looking at the people involved. The only hope I've got is that, like you say, Math um, Kerry Fukunaga's got. You know, I'm really glad he's got the job. Let's see what he can do with this. Um, and I'm also aware that you know I don't want to be overly negative about it, but I just this is not this state of Bond is not Bond for me. This is just it leaks back Bond. in a bit with the Star Wars films, doesn't it? In that. There's so little direction in them, and you have individual auteurs looking after one or two episodes, and then they're abandoned. And it's just, yeah, Kerry Fukunaga, J.J. Abrams, both very good directors in their own right, but who knows whether or not what we see on screen is anything like what they would have done had they not had Broccoli and Wilson and Craig, you know, pecking on the pecking on the, on the forehead the whole time. It's quite telling that that, that you can see in the, obviously in the timeline that, that how much how late he's come in is that it's still um, Danny Boyle's regular 
um, costume designer and uh, production designer who are credited to this. So they obviously they oh, must have wow. must have started. So his his DNA must be in some of this mm-hmm. the way it looks. You know, wow. because they didn't even have time to replace the the, the costumes and, and production. Gosh. But like you say, like Danny Boyle's got a history of, of, of you know injecting life into you know look what he did with Twenty Eight Days Later. Suddenly, zombie films became, were massive after that. Yeah, and it was a different take on it. It wasn't just oh you know these were scary zombies who can run. They weren't lumbering, you know. And then goes off and does you know things like Millions, and then goes off and does Slumdog. You know, he's he really is interested in, in being varied, and, and he's just not churning out the same film. He's not interested in that. And I can understand why it must be a really frustrating experience for him working on a bomb film. It's like no, 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 no. we don't do that here, you know. And that, it's understandable that he leaves. We've only just managed yeah. to get an F bomb in, you know. We, we don't oh, do that dear. here. We're not that oh, progressive. Let's <laughs> said about that. Good. Going back to uh, something you said, Harry, and was it? Uh, it might have been you, Rob, actually, who said there's a feeling that it's terminal. You, like I say, you could, you can kill off Bond and start again. We we thought with the Nolan trilogy on the of the the Dark Knight trilogy, oh, you can't you can't do Batman again, can you? But we've seen we've already had two or three different Batman since then, to <laughs> you know various uh, extents. But I, I think it. Even even just seeing Ben Affleck as uh, Batman, I thought he, I thought he made an excellent Batman in uh, Batman and uh, versus BVS Dodge, as it's not known. Um, and he, and he uh, even though obviously no one's going to compare that with the Dark Knight trilogy, it doesn't have to be the end, you know, because the characters are so big. There's so much to do with them. There are different ways you can you can look at it, and. Although we can't compare them that much because Batman films should be a lot about the Batman character more than Bond films should be about the James Bond character personally. But I, I don't know, Harry, whether you... Well, we've already alluded that they, they tried to copy Bourne, but I'm sure you think as well that they've been trying to copy uh, the Dark Knight trilogy as well. <laughs> I do, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it's a popular belief or not. I think they're actually, having looked into it, there have been articles with a similar opinion. There are a few parallels that I've noticed. I thought when Casino Royale came out, I thought that was a little bit going along those lines of restarting, trying to ground begins. Yeah, and Bond being really muscly. You know, you can only be an you can only be an agent if you've got big muscles. Like but you know, sort of trying to make it all very practical. So I think although Casino Royale was more influenced probably by Bourne, I think there was an element of Batman begins, dark beginnings, all that. Um and then I think <clears throat> there are parallel, much bigger parallels between Skyfall and The Dark Knight for me. Huge parallels. Um, and um, uh, this would be off the top of my head, but I think there are parallels to do with the villain and how they target people until, like, I think the villain in Skyfall, you know, says a certain amount of people will die until Bond does such and such, just like that's the threat that's made against Batman. Um, and also there are um, sequences where the, um, if you can picture the sequence in Skyfall where things are going wrong and it leads to that court, I think it's M in some kind of court case and she's about to get killed, I can't quite remember um, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah it, it's, and then there's also the train underground bursting through it's quite similar to um, a sort of midpoint reversal sequence in The Dark Knight where everything was going right, they've got to the Joker court, just like they've got um, Silver, Raul Silver, yeah. just like they've got Raul yeah, Silver, and he 
releases himself from inside and causes havoc, just like the Joker does. Um, and I, there are, I think there are more parallels that I came, I, I thought of. Do you want me to remind you, Harry? Or? Yeah, yeah, because I will have said it up. <laughs> well, just to expand on that, the, um, the fact that they said Silver deliberately got caught in the Dark Knight, they say Joker deliberately got caught, you know, got himself caught. Um, just a smaller one, but the villain Joker and Silver dressing up as a policeman to try and do a high-profile assassination. Mm. Um, the, the, like, the video... In messages, the Dark Knight, yeah. there are a couple of videos that the Joker does, basically putting his demands out there. There's one that Silver puts out to um, think on your sins, um, you know, and and the, then there's a suicide video of, well, sorry, not suicide, like a execution video of a some MI6 agent or something. So I think, I mean, th- those were some of the ones yeah. we discussed in the past. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that, you know, I'm a massive fan of the Dark Knight trilogy, so... You know, those things are on my mind a lot, but I think that's quite a lot of coincidences, to be honest. Um, and, you know, with the, the sort of the milestone that the Dark Knight was, it seems that it's influenced, had some influence along the way. And it goes back to that point that I think Matt said about it being reactive at the moment. It's all sort of seeing what's the flavour of that year and seeing what characters people like, whether it's, you know, a sort of a lunatic villain or whether it's um, a strong woman or. You know, something like that, they'll, they'll focus on that. And I just think <clears throat> in quite a lot of things outside of films, it's, you know, it's quite bad to just be reactive rather than proactive, trying to set the trend, like you said, Rob. Um, I, I also think on that, um, there's, um, there's a truth about the casting being sort of reactive because so many of the recent villains um, have been recent Oscar winners. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to get to that. Yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. Matt. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, again, it's a bit like, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I think um, Javier Bardem is, is re- brilliant as, as Silver. He's a brilliant villain. Um, but obviously they'd seen his role in No Country for Old Men and thought, hey, look, you know, he can do that. Um, you know, Christoph Waltz, I mean, we all know he can be a good villain. And then they really got that wrong, actually. <laughs> <Didn't they? Yeah. laughs> How do you get Volts wrong? Uh, yeah, yeah. Shocking. <laughs> um, and then, um, although he wasn't a villain in the recent film, obviously uh, Rami Malek was, got best actor for Bohemian Rhapsody. So, I don't know. I think, I think that's just another example of not really... You know, it's a bit like when football clubs, they don't do their own scouting, but, you know, they don't get good up, up and young... Up, up-and-coming players of their own. They, they just buy the best players that other people have bothered to scout, if you know what I mean. It's a bit of a strange analogy, but I, well, I don't know. When, when we're talking about John Glenn came all the way up, didn't he, from a production assistant, starting on, on a Majesty's Secret Service, went all the way to editor and then director, because it was a family. It was, you learn on the job, and everyone's in the same rhythm. Everyone's, everyone wants the same thing. And uh, that has been abandoned an awful lot in particularly since Brosnan left. It's just, it, it's, I'm so despairing. Really, They've written themselves into it. And I, I just think there's so few directions that they can go. And I think it's because it's so Craig centric. He, his incarnation of Bond is, you know, it's about him 
he was a rookie when he arrived, I think. Is that right? In Casino Royale, he yeah. was. That was yeah, it seems that him. way. Yeah, and now it's about him, him and, and then it was about him and M, who were both sort of angry together but liked each other. And then it's about it's winding down time now. It's he's 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 <laughs> he talked about retirement, didn't he? He's got a young floozy, hasn't he? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Much younger woman he's with now. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, um, and then um, and then in that trailer, then it's sort of making reference to you know that new double O agent talks about his knees and the one that works. Like so, he's so I think that's that's why the Dark Knight rises, though, isn't it? When he when he's injured, that's true, yeah, like that. absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, not only has he fallen out of love with the job, but not that he'd ever seemed ever in love with it. Like I think Connery and Roger Moore and all the other bombs were in love with being, you know, that and yeah. they love the yeah. job so much. Craig never seems to have loved it, and he's sort of approaching retirement now. And he, he, even you know his body's failing, so I just don't I don't see how Craig can carry on, no matter what director you give him, because it is you know we've got to give it to Craig because he's in charge here. You, it's what, no, no matter what director you give, uh, the lunatics have taken over the asylum. <laughs> They've got to end Craig's Bond, haven't they? They've got to end Craig's Bond. They can't. They to, yeah. I don't think they can carry on this Bond in any shape or form. But at the end of A View to a Kill, it wasn't like, oh, it's Roger's last film. You know, let's make it all about Roger no. and do stuff that we haven't done before. And goodness me. Do, I mean, does, does Daniel Craig know that being James Bond is actually quite good? <laughs> it's, it's, it's all right it's not a bad thing <laughs> you're listening to the really 007 podcast for <laughs> massive fans of the james bond film series yeah yeah but, uh, to be fair get there is one big positive we alluded it to it uh before so Kerry joji fukunaga was announced as a new director it's now uh well it'll be two years ago uh since soon since he was uh, appointed in september 2018 you're right, Chris. He's the first American in the history of the series to direct an, uh, an Eon Bond film. Irving Kirshner did direct Never Say Never Again. We keep coming back to that. Um, and the first director to, to receive a writing credit, which you also mentioned. Apparently, he was considered for Spectre as well. I didn't know this before, until uh, Sam Mendes put pen to paper and was brought back. Um, it's a bit like Craig as well, isn't it? And he has, he's already in the past uh, had expressed an interest in directing a future Bond film. So he's obviously been pretty um, pretty interested. I, I, his, his, um, his parents are actually Japanese and Swedish-Americans. And you have to say, I mean, he, he looks-wise, he, he could be the, the best-looking James Bond of all, <laughs> couldn't he? <laughs> so true, if you could yeah. ask, we should have hired him, I think. <laughs> Definitely the case where the director is better, you know, better looking than the <laughs> main star of the movie again sorry this is so negative i don't mean from a male objective viewpoint yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he he also works as the cinematographer um i'm not sure he, he is in this one i don't think he is but he he's got an excellent cv obviously and he's, he's only 43 um he's only done four films actually as a director four feature films he did the the michael fassbender mia wasikowska jane eyre uh, he did beast of no nation which, of course, had another guy mooted to play Bond, Idris Elba, in. Um, I didn't know this as well. He was a, he got a screenwriter's credit for It's Chapter One. Didn't, didn't know that. Yeah. How, how weird. But, he, yeah, he like we say... Um, he was attached to Derek. Oh, right, okay. So I think he'd been, he'd been, again, he was the one who'd come on and been hired and rewritten the script, and then he'd been 
creative differences he left. So that's why he's oh, right. credited on, on that. <laughs> There's still time, Kerry, if you want to leave the project. <laughs> 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 differences you- that it's the true detective when it came to season two. Did there no, end up being differences that ended his time as true detective? No, I think he came back and he I think he wrote all Yes, I he did he did write the third series. I think it was the same writer throughout all of them, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Not, and then for the second series they decided to do more of like different directors, high profile directors for, for those. Whereas he di- I think he directed every single episode of the first series. Right. And it, you know, it looked yeah. it was directed brilliantly. So yeah, I, I I am you know to try and bring some positivity towards it. I'm I'm excited to see if if he can put his his own stamp on it, um, and you know see see what he does with the action sequences. I don't know if you remember, but um, in True Detective, I can't remember what episode um, was almost like an action episode where Matthew McConaughey goes undercover with that biker gang, and then yeah. Um, <clears throat> Outstanding, yeah. It's, it's called Who Goes There, I think. I think it's episode four of that right. series. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Jim. Well, he, uh, there's, um, without, I, I mean, I don't want him to do this, but there was a, you know, an incredible uh, one shot, wasn't there? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, we've done that with Spectre, yeah. But, but yeah, we've, we've, we've had all that with Spectre with his dry run for 1917. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Anyway, I'm excited about, you know, I want to be excited about Kerry Fukunaga. Yes, me too. Chris, me too. That's seen, what I'm taking from this, yes. You, you've seen uh, True Detective, have you, Chris? Uh, yes, I watched the first series. I really enjoyed that. Second series, not oh, right. just kind of <laughs> But well, again, he, again... Craig, Craig Farrell and... Sorry, Colin yeah. Farrell and his uh, prosts are very, very funny. Uh, <laughs> 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 and his moustache, yeah, super... But yeah, I think he's in, in an interesting filmmaker. Like I say, not not a massively experienced one, um, but a, a, a decent. So if, I suppose over recent, you know, like he's not um, he's not exactly a curveball, but he's, he's at least there's there's an attempt to do something different. And obviously, like I say, given that he's got a writing credit as well, he's trying to put his own sort of stamp on it. So you know, and, and it look the trailer looks good there's some great visuals in there like this the shot in in the woods with the, with the snow there's like a shot where it looks like, a, like an underground bunker that looks like some reference to spy i love me where it's all like strip lighting and things um i think i think he's, it could be interesting my only worry is again it's 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 massively long and i think it's mm. it's watching Spectre recently it's every time the camera moves i think he's just cut it why are we what what cut just cut like, yeah. the cut an hour worth of could have been an hour and forty, couldn't it? <laughs> boring shots that just makes the scene play out much longer. And this is the thing with modern Bond films is, and I think, and this is the impact that 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 you know that serial television has on on viewers is that it's about pacing, you know. And I do think that you know Hitchcock was right. You know, the, the length of a film should be measured by the size of someone's bladder. You know, if an hour, hour and a half, <laughs> thinking, come on, you know, let's wrap it yeah. up. But most of modern films, you get to two hours and you think. Is it ending? And you look another half an hour, and like, good grief, you know. And we're still, and there's still another set piece. There's another big. Exp- you think this is going to end, and then it isn't, and then it ends, and then it doesn't, and then it goes out with a whimper. Can, can I just? Uh, for, for, sorry, Gary. Yeah. Oh, you go ahead, Rob. Uh, no, thank you. I was going to say just for a bit of context. No time to die is 15 minutes longer than the Lone Ranger, and that was about an hour too long, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but again. 
Two hours forty-three. It says on there. It's um, ridiculous. Good that is ridiculous for 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 what is essentially supposed to be a summer blockbuster. Children, three hours. Yeah, but that's what the thing they don't see it as 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 a film for everyone now. They've turned it into sullen bond who's got a really dark everyone's got a dark secret so in the trailer like, she's got a secret everyone's got a secret everyone's got a secret past everyone's got you know yeah. something and it's boring it's not it's like because <laughs> the moment you find out what that secret is it's like it never lives up to what the promise of the secret could be it's like oh is that it yeah all oh, right okay and, we, we spend and that's a bit two like hours the, and a half to get the to recent that. star wars films isn't it yeah. Check, continually changing whose secret it was and what about the past and the upset as if it's like the, we don't we don't watch these films for twists. What I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, the, it's escapist fun. We, we don't really care about things like that, especially the, the Bond is, film. If you if you advertise a twist, it's no longer a twist. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It's no longer a surprise. I we see this in the book world all the time. Of you know, like um, the the new suspense thriller with the knockout twist you'll never see coming. Yeah, but, yeah. What I do now, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. looking out. Is that it? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can it's never look the writer, is it? Billing like that. It's not fair at all. No, no, no. Although I agree that that running time's a little bit slightly off-putting. It is possible to have a long blockbuster action film that gets it right. Like the most recent Mission Impossible Fallout. That's like two hours twenty minutes, but it absolutely flies by and goes yeah, set piece to set piece. But I think really, if if we were, if we, you know, if we were still really sure of where Bond's going, we're really confident in who's playing James Bond and the future. If we found out that it's how long's this one? Do you say two hours fifty-four? Two hours forty-three. Forty-three, yeah, two hours forty-three. It's only two hours forty-three, Harry. In the world, if you're invested in the world and you, you know, you you are a big fan of where, uh, of what they're doing, then that might be quite exciting. As in, you know, you're getting more value for your money and that kind of yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? Um, but I think, again, yeah. it's just a sign of how we're all feeling about it when we see, what, we've, we've got to watch two hours 43 more of this. I, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think I think that the, 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 the problem that I, I have is that it's not necessarily the length of the film. It's to do with, it's the, it's, it, right. is the narrative strong enough to carry yeah. that? You yeah, know, yeah, because yeah. if it isn't, everything feels overstretched. Everything feels like padded. And I think it's like, for the sake of it, you know, and it all, you know, and, and like I say, you, you look at the Pirates of the Caribbean films started off at two hours, two hours and 20 and two hours, you know, pushing three hours. And these are supposed to be like for kids and they're all bloated. Yeah. They're all, you know, they need to be trimmed down because the story is, is, isn't there. And but I think that's what happened with Spectre. Thing. I think it definitely happened. Agree. There is such a thing as too much of a good thing as well. You know, that's the point where it no longer becomes a good thing. But the problem with this sure. is, is it that much a good thing in the first place? <laughs> Am I dying? <laughs> he, so, yeah, Fukunaga was on board, but I didn't realise then that Purvis and Wade were brought back on board just to do the new script with him. Um, and w- this So is we this, almost got is, rid of them. Yeah, well, Every yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't doing anything that, else, were they? No, 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 else no, no, the, the envelope that they have on uh, on Wilson and Brockley. Yeah, they must do, mustn't they? <laughs> yeah, so uh, one of the ideas apparently that the three of them had, and again, I don't know who can take the blame for this, um, <laughs> it would have seen the film take place inside Bond's head, as in it's, <sighs> he's thinking or something, whilst being tortured by Blofeld's Inspector. 
therefore retconning the ending of that film. I, I just I, that's oh. too it's too much for my head to think of and too annoying. And as if Bond is, is interested in in, in the metaphysics and philosophy, yeah. it's not it's not interested in that. It's not interested in psychology. It's interested in, in two hours of of, of great set, <laughs> set pieces and interesting things and a laugh here and some good dialogue and something you've never seen before. And it, and this part of the, the uh, expression it's is shocking. Bond going up his own ass. It's becoming yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah. It's like coming far it, out the other side. The Bond universe is turning in on itself, and I think that's the, uh, my my point is that that all the Craig films become more about him, more about the world shrinks, and if, to the point where the, the entire film is based in his head. It's like, come on, this is <laughs> just <ridiculous."> so arrogant. <laughs> Could you imagine yeah, how upset you'd be at the end of that film, realizing that it was all in Bond's head? How what That's like what a relief thing. Coffee fuel yeah, all yeah. nighter, and you wake up and think, "Who wrote this down?" Right? What? Get out. The, the only thing about that sort of premise I'd be happy with is if it's the end of you know when we get to the end of No Time. It's, it is called No Time to Die, isn't it? Um, yeah, we get to the end of No Time to Die. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just it's, really it's Michael. I know it's Michael G. Wilson waking up, realizing that he'd imagined the whole Craig era. <laughs> that's, that's the only way I'd be happy. I'm so it. sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. So and yeah, and then immediately calls up the 73 year old Timothy Dalton and says, "You know, how are you fixed? Oh. How are you?" you know? <laughs> no, joking. Can you imagine? Well, we sort of said that could be one of the worst ideas for film ever. This Carey apparently now he says the film I don't know whether this is worse is about relationships and family. I can't, what I, can't, I don't. Well, yeah, they do, but there's there's rumours again. I don't you know I don't know whether to say there's about there is a member of Bond's family in it, isn't there? That you've heard these rumours. Well, it's just we've already got his foster brother. Which is <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Will he actually God, touch God. upon that? Family is forever, is it? Yeah, <laughs> there was also um, apparently uncredited rewrites as well. Didn't know this. Paul Haggis has done one, so he was he was brought in again, and a guy called Scott Z Burns, who's he's written a few of the, the Steven Soderbergh films. So another another decent writer, but who knows what kind of impact you can make at this stage? He might he might have done something towards Spectre, might he? I think. Or have yeah, I, yeah, I think I he did. Yeah. And that's, well, Haggis, it's like all all you know credited. You know that right? Yeah. What is that? The credited writers, but how many other writers have had a pass at this? You know, like you mentioned that that, that Scott yeah, Burns yeah. did a janitor have a pass. All right, we could check. Craig, Craig did. Craig on. was involved in some of the story, I think, for Quantum of Solace because, well, the excuse was it was the writer strike. Um, so he said, I don't know whether. See, I mean, I don't know whether there was a script. I didn't really see one in the film, but um, <laughs> he he was apparently working on it at the time. The other thing is, is that of course coronavirus is blamed for the delay, um, but I think what well, I think you touched on it, Chris. It's all about money now, isn't it? And I've heard, I have heard. I don't know whether it's rumours. I think it might even be official that the decision to move it to November was made before this whole pandemic started. It was more about we can get more money then, um, and perhaps it wasn't ready in time. So who knows? And they they, they made a big thing of it, didn't they? That oh, this is the way that cinema is going. That They've made the bold move to get there to to move it ahead because they don't want to lose money. 
and everybody's followed suit after that until Tenet, which we'll see how, how that does. Um, but I think more people are going to flock. Well, I don't know. More people you think would flock to see a Nolan film who are proper cinema goers, who, are, who love cinema, they love the big screen. Whereas, I don't know, but by November, I d- it'll be one of those where we'll have a huge opening weekend, won't it, if everything's going right. And Skyfall did well because people can't, kept coming back to it, didn't they? They kept wanting to watch it again, to be fair. Um, so I don't know. The jury's out whether that's going to happen. <laughs> no, no idea. Yeah, so we've got those writers involved. And the other one we have touched upon, of course, was uh, was Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So she's the last person, I think, to come in and give it, the, the, you know, in inverted commas, a script polish. And that was at the request of Daniel Craig. So <laughs> you see how much weight he's got to, to bringing uh, to the films. And it's like you say, who, who's hot at the moment, Rob? I think you said, and as good as Phoebe Waller Bridge is, she, I think she just came into, I think Chris, you said it to just revise the dialogue, character development, and humour, as if, I don't know, they almost realised, oh, we better have a woman in it because we're going to be talking about women in this film. So, I, <laughs> so it, so she's, yeah, she's come in, and you know. And I think um, there's obviously been the Me Too movements and Barbara Bockley has touched upon that, uh, saying that his attitude with women has got to move with the times. And, you know, there is a, there's a fair point time. to that. Just move it with the times. Well, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean just, the whole just thing. Just actually do it. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, move it yeah, with yeah. the time. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, so Waller Bridge is, is only the second female screenwriter ever credited with a Bond film. Does anyone know who the, the other the other one was? Does that have interest? Is it... Uh, did, Doctor No and From Rush With Love. I can't remember, Correct, Johan, yeah. Joanna, Joanna. Yes, Johanna Harwood, yeah. yeah. Which is quite a groundbreaking, isn't it, actually? Yeah. Amazingly. Um, hey. Yeah, the first two Bond films. Didn't need the fan but Like you say, uh, it's just out of its time. You know, kind of, you don't have to, like, you know, if you, like you say, you want to make it more modern, if you want to make it, bring it up to the times, you don't have to, like, hammer everyone over the head with it. Look, look, look what we're doing. And I think that's the problem. And I think that... The, the Bond has done that in the past, where it's actually been relatively progressive, given that obviously it's never been, you know, particularly PC, you know, <laughs> you know, certainly over the years. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say that, you know, that he's an advocate for women's rights or, uh, you know, uh, but it rest. doesn't. But, you can have a character who isn't brilliant, or yeah, and yeah, he exactly. Has it exactly. doesn't make sense. It's how, it's how you do it. And, I, and this is the my problem is that, that, that over the recent years, the level of writing has been so poor that it ends up being, you know, being banged over the head. Look, we're being progressive. Look, we've got a woman yeah, yeah. now. And then we're not going to do anything with her because we can't think of anything like Monica Bellucci. Great, an age-appropriate Bond girl. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Street just... worse than any of the other ones. Miss Moneypenny's, a, you know, a field agent. Not anymore. You know, it's like yeah, you're giving yeah, the promise of it's like again tokenistic. It's just, it's just that either do it or don't bother. Just keep him, you know, as you know, a sexist dinosaur. Because <laughs> they did that well with M, didn't they? Making yeah. her a female M, they ran with it yeah. and it worked. Yeah. It was great, good. And move, it said we discussed in the M episode the, you know, there are drawbacks to her character. Not nothing to do with Judy Dench, but more to do with how it all became to do with uh, Daniel Craig's incarnation. And it was almost her, I thought, hero worshipping him, particularly in Casino Royale. And obviously she became the mother figure, which is... I mean, there's the, <laughs> we will discuss Skyfall very soon, and there's, there's, there's so much to discuss about that film. Yeah, so I did touch on it before. 
uh, originally the composer the for the film was going to be uh, Kerry Fukunaga's regular composer Dan Roma, um, and then he was replaced. So I'm not quite sure why that happened. Um, again, so many changes in this production. It, it's, it's screaming of real worry, isn't it already? But uh, Hans Zimmer, I mean, absolute superstar, isn't he? I think even people who don't know anything about film music have heard of Hans Zimmer. You know, a massive name and. It's probably something that he he's wanted to get involved with for some time, and the, the, there was a gap in his schedule. I can't think of any other reason. I've, but you know, we've had Thomas Newman on the last uh, couple, who's a brilliant composer, but he's more, in my opinion, more of a sort of mellow, mellow sort of mood music piece guy. Um, whereas Hans Zimmer might actually give the action a bit more oomph. I don't know. What, what do you think, Matt? Oh, um, well, Rob yeah. too. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I'm a massive Hans Zimmer fan. Um, been to watch him live twice, which were both incredible experiences. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not ideal for someone to, to come in so late in the day. I do know that Hans Zimmer has his he has his own um, group of composers who who I think he brings on board for a lot of his work. So it might be, I think, what was it Steve Mazzaro or something? I might have got that name wrong, but um, I've seen that he's been... Um, uh, he's going to be involved, and also his uh, his guitar man Johnny Marr from the uh, from the Smiths. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, and he's done stuff on Inception and Man of Steel and stuff in the past. Um, and I think that's the idea that there will be guitar because I hope there's going to be some Bond theme um, in this one. Which yeah, good grief. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. You know, I absolutely, I absolutely love Hans Zimmer. Um, like really look forward to hearing any of his scores. Um, I, I, I hadn't naturally thought he he screams Bond. There, there have been some themes, particularly in parts, parts of the Inception score, which sounded quite Bondian. Um, but there might have been other composers I would have possibly gone to first. But you know, I, that's one that's one part of the the film I'm I'm looking forward to. It'll be it'll be nice to hear a Hans Zimmer Bond score. Um, so yeah, that's something to be excited about. I think yeah. This I was like when I watched recently. Watched uh, Skyfall Spectre back to back. I hope you're happy, Tom. <laughs> um, and the one thing I did notice is the music. Is that the music, particularly with, with, with the score, is that the Bond theme is quite jarring because you don't feel like Bond films. It's like that's the only thing that reminds you you're watching a Bond film. Mm. Not, not, it's not the scene. It's not the, you know, the, the, the feeling of it. It's something like you get the, you know, this kind of, you know, the trumpets blazing at you as he like does his coughs. And then that's it. That's like, that's a Bond film. That's what makes it a Bond film. And I think it would be interesting to see what Zimmer does with that. And if it, if it becomes, you know, whether he goes kind of, you know, a bit more kind of, like say the guitar, the Johnny Marr, kind of the Inception kind of side of, of, of things, or does or, or does the nod with the trumpets, because I know that the, the song is sort of in between, isn't it? The Billie Eilish? Yeah. Yeah. And that has like, there's a bit in that song where the, the, you do hear the trumpets, but then that's it. You're not hearing it. It's a funny one, the song, isn't it? It is, yeah. But Billy Eilish did do the song, but again, it, uh, the composer wasn't involved. Partly because it, it wasn't a composer at the time, was there? Because um, Hans Zimmer's coming pretty last minute, I think. And, and it, it continues the the trend of you know choose a young singer, popular on both sides of the Atlantic. She's actually the youngest um, person ever to do a Bond song. Eighteen, she's only eighteen. Amazing. The the last two songs have been number one hits in in England. So, uh, 
Did, did you know the Sam Smith song was number one? I mean, that says a lot about chart music these days, doesn't it? But um, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So again, the producers are clearly targeting a younger market, aren't they? Because who knows, a Daniel Craig Bond is not for for youngsters, is it? How what do you think, Harry? Did, did the song do on the charts? The Billie Eilish one. Do we know? Did it make? It, it? Yeah, it's number one. Number one in in England. I really? think it was number sixteen in America. Yeah. Um, but I, the Sam Smith one bombed in America, I think. Well, my my thoughts, firstly, just going back to Hans Zimmer, are, and like it's been said, the Inception soundtrack, I've heard sort of undertones of it, in the, in the not in the necessarily the action music, but in the slower music when it's doing a lot of flashbacks. There are times when I've just listened to the Inception soundtrack and it's reminded me of some John Barry stuff, strangely enough, because I don't think many other of Hans Zimmer's soundtracks do that, but that one did, funnily enough. Um, so I'd look forward to that as much as the action um, music. Um, and when it comes to <clears throat> the, the Bond songs, I did quite like it um, in a sense that for a brief moment I got, you kind of hear, you know, obviously the, the obvious notes that make it sound like a Bond song and you, you try and get yourself excited and it was working. It got me briefly excited. I don't think it's one that's inspirational though in terms of, the, the strengths that it has is just by using the Bond motifs, really. And it's not one that's necessarily going to make huge history. I was, I was surprised that you, that you said it was number one. Sometimes, you, you, when you see the song in the opening credits sequence, it grows on you, and that might remain to be seen. It might be that there's um, a good opening credit scene that will will be uh, for no <laughs> top of the stand you but yeah um, so I'm, I'm I'm excited about the music side of things with Hans Zimmer um, even though I'm, there are some concerns that it's a bit of a rescue mission um, you know it's quite late in the day um, and I'm I'm happy enough with the song I'm not inspired but I'm I'm happy enough with those things those Fortunately, those things haven't been totally disregarded, I don't think, which is good. If a, if a new Bond song comes out and you like it, even though you're worried about the film, it does get you more into the mood of it, because we were pretty, yeah, we were a little bit worried about Casino Royale before we saw it, and then the Chris Cornell song came out, and, I, and we were absolutely loving it, and we thought, oh, it's so Bond, isn't it? And it, it just gets you a bit more positive about the film, and I don't know whether it's quite in that lead, but it, it's not bad, is it? No. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's middle of the road, isn't it? It's a bit. It's a bit. It's not great. It's not terrible. That's better than rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 But I look like I give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The last Bond song that I thought was half decent was "The World Is Not Enough." The rest that I can live without, to be honest. With yeah, I mean, we can do we could do about three hours on "Dino of the Day," the song, couldn't we? We could. <laughs> Uh, yeah, at least it was different. You can't deny that. <laughs> anyway, I, I thought um, the music in this trailer was amazing. I don't know where that came from, but it was super Bond. All the Bond motifs were in there. So yeah, um, the the trailer looks great. Aesthetically, looks great. Sounds amazing, and I've got no problem with any of what I am um, looking at. Um, I think story will just be the the what all this hinges upon um you've got to do a bit more than just do the bond theme at the right places um i d- i think zimmer's I, i'm a re- like you guys i'm really excited about a zimmer score um for a bond movie um and it could it could be like the most you know like 
I, I can't stop listening constantly on repeat to License Revoked, the Michael Kamen track from the License oh, to Kill soundtrack. Yes. I just cannot stop listening to it. I just Because that, for me, in a lot of ways, with a massive orchestral scope, reinvigorated the Bond theme for me. It just it took it to a whole new height. I love all the different incarnations, especially the, you know, like... Um, the the spy who loved me, you know, all that's yeah. great. That's all great. I'm loving all that. Um, so I'm really interested to see what Zimmer's going to do. Um, I think um, also behind the camera in a director of photography sense is Linus Sandgren. Um, and I'm, you know, again, yes. really much, very much looking forward um, to seeing what this, uh, what this movie looks like. Because from the trailer, it looks great. What else has he uh, done? Film-wise, that he he has done, uh, you know, as he says, I'm looking forward to what he's done. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Damien? Yeah. What's he called? The guy that he, he, he did first. Oh, Damien Chazelle, yeah. Yeah, La La Land and um, also American, American Hostel as well. Uh, yeah, First Man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just... Yeah, looking forward to what he's what he's going to do with this. Looks looks the part. It looks right. good. The trailer, doesn't like it? Would, yeah, it does, and and it's edited really the tightly. Look of it, it's just that it's again, it's just the heinous looking story elements and incarnation of this character that that someone else say something. <laughs> <laughs> Will and White speaking. If you're enjoying Really Double O Seven, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look at her at Really 007 Pod. Even if you're from Baja. Bird Saxby, tell him it's fine. So we get on to the casting of uh, No Time to Die. And of course, the, the number one uh, guy, as we've been talking about, is Daniel Craig. And of course, at various stages in the production, and this has taken nearly five years to get off the ground. And- and finally be released in November. He's been less than, less than, should we say, very committal into signing on as a 007 for the fifth time. He, of course, had done four already, which is the same number as Pierce Brosnan. So this will actually take him uh, further than that in terms of the number of films he's done. But the amount of years he's been Bond, I think Rob said it earlier, he's been bo- he'll have been Bond for 15 years at least, which is the most out of any of them. That's partly because, of course, the the rate in which the films uh, were produced early on. I mean, Sean Connery did, I think he did the first four in four years, which is phenomenal when you think back. There's no way that could be done now with marketing and everything. Yeah, so Daniel Craig, I mean, it's famous now, isn't it, what he said after Spectre was released. He'd rather slash his wrists than than play Bond again. Sorry about that, Daniel. Sorry, it's absolutely dreadful for your life and uh, your your mental health, I know. But he did, to be fair, say part of that was his his injuries, according to himself. But there are stunt men, and it's not, you know. Anyway, so he's, he was rumoured to first of all been offered a hundred million just to do one, and then there were rumours he'd, he'd been offered a hundred and fifty million to do two. So maybe we, we don't know which one was accepted in the end. But he, he signed on in August 2017. But I, he's definitely only signed on for one, as far as I'm aware. Which we, we know we want to be positive about this, the, the new Bond film. A Bond film is not necessarily as good as, as the Bond playing him. It's often as good as the villain, as people say. You know, Rami Malek, it might be a bit of obvious casting because, as we've said, a newly crowned Oscar winner. Uh, we've mentioned Javier Bardem, Christoph Waltz, Halle Berry as well, of course. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> not sure not sure her performance in Die in the Day 
screamed Oscar. We will discuss uh, Dying of the Dane in greater detail. Yeah, so in the trailer, Rami Malek, he's uh, giving some little speech, isn't he? Uh, he's doing a foreign accent, which is probably frowned on these days. And he's, uh, he's also wearing a Phantom of the Opera mask. So he does look a bit more like a, a Bond villain. If you if you wrote uh, mm-hmm. on, on on paper or asked asked a kid what you know does it come up with a Bond villain, what would they look like? From what you've seen in the trailer, at least he he, he does look the part. Yeah, I, I, I think he's I think he's he's a really great actor. I think he's great in Mister Robot. I think he's he's you know given some really good performances. Like I say, it's down to to, to the writing. He looks yeah, the Phantom of the Opera mask isn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting. But you know, and and, and you know, and some of the dialogue is a little already a little iffy. Some of the dialogue he was giving, you know, license to kill and history of violence. Um, yeah, reference to film. Sort of impla- sort of, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I thought that when I heard it. Yeah. Two positive films. Two, two yeah. films. Good film. Um, <laughs> but then it talks about you know that like there's a slight reference about you know like reflection, isn't there? So. You know what's what, what? You know what are we thinking? Is he? You know, is it Bond's brother? Is he Blofeld's <laughs> son? Is he? You know, is he a super soldier? You know, it's sort of implying the guest. Yeah. yeah, spoiler. You know, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Massive spoilers. It's trying to build on some close relationship again, or some comparison mm-hmm. between Bond and the villain. It's not someone who's different to him, is it? Again, it's not. You know, it's it seems a bit personal. I think you know. I think with villains in films like this, you can you can make it personal without be, without it being due to them having a personal relationship with them. So by their actions, they I don't know kill or harm a character who is close to Bond or close to someone else. I'm trying to think of uh, so Bond didn't have any particular pro- problem with Sanchez, but then as soon as the Felix you know mauled by a shark and his wife killed, there's there's something there. But do you know what I mean? That he doesn't yeah. have to be the Sanchez. Turns out to be Bond's brother, or you know, or dad, or whatever. It's, it's, it's pretty lazy, isn't it? Writing, yeah. lazy writing. Just you know, like right, we've got to get some drama from somewhere. Can't be bothered actually doing the hard work and and going and and actually doing it on the page. I'll just we'll just make him his brother because that generates the drama all by itself. And then we'll just say people have got secrets. There, there there's drama there, isn't there? Is is there are there some suggestions that is their brothers? <laughs> I don't. I mean, you know what I mean. Like about about. Um, I'm really talking about the Foster Brothers situation. With, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Like no, that, that there's already a legacy of antagonism between the name James Bond and the name Ernst Avril Blofeld. You don't need to be as lazy as say we're Foster Brothers uh, for it to suddenly be dramatic. Yeah. I mean, it worked well in Goldeneye, didn't it? You sort of had a, a 006 in Alec Trevelyan. And Ace. yeah, it, it's like someone who could could be as good as Bond. He knows Bond's moves, which was something which was pretty original at the time. And yeah. I know they've sort of done that. I mean, Silver was meant to be, wasn't he, an ex MR6 agent again? So they did copy that a bit in that. And then now, I, don't, I mean, it's all, it's always it's not the most original idea, even just having someone who knows Bond or has some personal collection to him, even if it isn't physical you know he's not actually his brother but we don't know just, we don't know sorry tom just imagine that trailer right existed without the james bond films before it imagine it was just a new action film yeah. that was coming out or an action film that was coming out this year and pretend i know it's very hard to separate the cinematic landscape from the you know and extract the james bond franchise franchise from that but imagine it never happened and you're trying to sell this movie and this there's this film with some all allusions to well, there's some bloke, and he keeps going on about secrets that are going to hurt. 
And I mean, it it, it just it's laughable. It's absolutely laughable. I thought you'd be really positive. It, it, no, no, no. It's yeah, absolutely yeah. laughable that that you'd have this uh, and try and sell a movie on it. It's cheap. It's cashing in on the fact that we love these characters for 40, yeah. 50 years. This is cheap stuff. This is it, it's it's selling us short as an audience. Give us something to to actually go off without just saying implying something that oh, it's just I'm ranting again. I'm sorry. No, I think, a, I think you're right. Like, every time you hear like oh. In the new ones, it's like, oh, this is from, you know, they've had some interaction in the past. Can't we just see that? I would rather, well, you know, when they had the, when they had this clash in the past, can't we just see Bond on that mission? Why do we have to have a reference to it being in the past now to come back for vengeance or coming back to him again? It's like, why can't you just go on a mission, do it, and then go, oh, you know, and now yeah. everything's personal. Yeah. Rings that his doctor now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, that's, that is a rumour. Which I don't understand. That's too. But on the, con- you know, to look at the other side, we sort of said how it seems like it's personal. It might not be that you don't know where that quote quotation's coming in the film. It might not be Rob thing- Malek saying that. I don't know. I'm just just because it's got, you assume it is him, don't you? Bond says in the trailer, like I think it's something like history hasn't been kind to people who try and play God, which suggests that this villain's got some kind of scheme that's not just trying to. He's not just trying to catch M. He's not just trying to catch <laughs> M. He's got is, is there even a plan? I mean, it's, what's his goal? I mean, what's yeah. he trying to do? I just well, assume he's, he's a political comment or something like well, Daniel Craig. <laughs> I'm going to take a punt and say that he it's basically Christopher Walken. He's the character. He's the, he is, he is yeah. genetically yeah. Um, modified. Yes. Zorin 2.0. Yeah, because well, he talks about he said in the, in this speech he says the only he says he says your skills would die with your body, mine will survive long after I'm gone. Wow! So that's like implying that it's like that he's yeah, it's the is it DNA is it I don't know what and that well, absolutely that'd nonsense. be so weird even for them because they they don't really like the existence of films that have you to a kill, well. do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. if it emerges Bond, that's enough. That is quite enough, thank you very much. Rob, did you? Like, I looks, thought the name yeah. uh, Safan for the villain is he? Do you think he's any relation to the the Russian Grand Slam tennis star Marat Safan? <laughs> I hope so. Also, the um, the 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 artist behind the brilliant song from the end of Teen Wolf, Win in the End. <laughs> Mark Safan. Uh, yeah, but no, no. But doesn't he look like? Doesn't um, Remy Malik in this film look like? You know, with all the. The, the the facial prosthetics and all that doesn't he look like that that guy who was also kind of a super soldier in Die Another Day? No, oh, we had it in that, didn't we? The face off, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, it, it's just the and, and Silver's face, of course, yeah. caved in, wasn't it? We had that. Yeah. Facial disfigurement, something recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just well, that was the criticism of, of Spectre, wasn't it? You know, why does he have to have the same facial injury that Donald Pleasance had in You Only Live Twice? <laughs> It's all, it, it's like trying to give the audience things that, it is like you say, Rob, treating the audience like fools, isn't it? Like, oh, if you see a man who looks a bit like the old Blofeld, then, oh, they'll love that, won't they? They'll love the seeing the seeing the white cat and these ingredients we're going to give them after all this time. Well, we wanted them 10 years ago, mate. Well, I, su- I suppose you've got to be lazy if you're giving the main star 100 million quid just to come back because you can't actually afford any decent writing to you. <laughs> so you can't afford anything innovative. You've just got to give him the money and hope to coast on the legacy of what's already been done. Like much more competent filmmakers than yourself. But those are Sorry, if, you, if, you, no. if you've, if you've spent an entire film trying to rewrite 
what had happened in the other two films. Yeah. Then you've got to do a sequel to that. It's like, where do you start? Because it's like you say, you've written yourself into a corner. None of this makes any logical sense. So then how do, how do we conclude it? They don't need to conclude it. It can just be a separate mission. It doesn't have to be. I mean, you know, how refreshing would that trailer have been if it just, if it opened with, you know, like, and you didn't know it was for a Bond film and it opened with something like, you know, um, a lovely Vista, you know, and then, uh, and a henchman but being off in a really nice way and there's an allusion to a tux and you're like oh flipping heck it's james bond and there's a, you know there's a little bit of a you know a quip or whatever i don't care whatever and then then come up 007 and then like oh my god i'm in none of this secret 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 yeah and then from there so like, worthy uh, m saying James, it's good to see you. We've got a man here, and he's holding the entire planet hostage. Oh no, not yeah. the entire planet. He's, you know, he's he's going to bomb the nuclear warheads, you know, that are hanging off the coast of wherever. And can you go and stop him? Well, yes, I possibly can, sir. You know, and then suddenly, so, right? Show me the action beats. Trailer yes. done. Brilliant. We're we're there. And then you know, you can include all your progression. You can include all the progressive stuff. Yeah, you can. Doesn't negate all that. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Do you, yeah, exactly. Do you want me to? Um, do you want me to read out the premise, the, the the official premise? This is all we really know. So it says five years after the capture of Blofeld. So that means it is set within the, the, the production history of Spectre. In real time. Explain that. Yeah. Is it Quantum of Solace set ten minutes after a Casino Royale? It's just anyway. Um, yeah, so apparently Bond has left active service. Oh, so there we go again, which he did, to be fair, threaten to do. We presumed he was walking into the the, the, the distance with Leia Sadu in the last one. So he, he's approached by Felix Leiter. So that's uh, the first appearance from Jeffrey Wright as Felix since Quantum of Solace, in fact, actually. He hasn't been in the, the new wave of Craig. We're assuming this all the films are connected then, after all. <laughs> um so he he's approached but got by no Felix. relationship, but in the in the well, yeah, uh, they've got they've got he no relationship at all. But in in the trailer, he says, "Brother, you're the only one I trust." What? Yeah, it's yeah. Him? Why? You've got no <laughs> relationship. You don't know each other. I think um, it's a good job, Mathis. Uh, is it isn't? Yeah, you know, well, maybe he'll come back from the dead and truly punish Bond for the dreadful way he was treated. Yeah. So <laughs> back to the plot. So Felix, uh, he's approached by Felix, who enlists his help in the search for Valdo Obrachev. A missing scientist, and he's played by an actor called David Denchik, who I'm not I'm not too familiar with, if I'm honest. When it becomes apparent that Obrachev was abducted, Bond must confront a danger the likes of which the world has never seen before. And that's it. That's all we know. If it's genuinely something I've never seen before, I will. I mean, I will eat um, the the four Daniel Craig film discs <laughs> in a public setting. That I refuse to have in my collection. Well, Harry, um, in in terms of uh, the plot and, and all that, which we've sort of touched upon. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you, what, why couldn't you, the original thing be, it's just going back to what all the, the first 15, 17 bonds were? That, that would be a twist now, wouldn't it? It also says, you know, in the trailer that he gave up, you gave up everything for her. So Bond has given up, you know, he's retired partly because of how much he loves this girl. Like that, that relationship. There's like some weird scene. I'm not yeah. sure. He like turns a corner and he's sort of like gawping at her. Yeah. So he wasn't. Yeah, like, like she, she's like half his age. She doesn't like him for most of Spectre. And then she kind of has a moment on a train, I believe. And then she's happy to walk away with him on a bridge. I mean, compare this to On a Majesty's Secret Service where you believe that your spy has found the woman. Do you know what I mean? They seem similar to um, the kind of turning the back on the world. They don't, uh, Craig and Leah Seydoux's character, they don't seem, they seem like them getting together more as a way of teaching someone else a lesson, kind of, you know, they're running off, not because of, there's anything there at the core. So I, I, even that conceit that he's given up and he's retiring partly because, you know, he's found a new life with her, I find very hard to believe. Um, I just want to, we, uh, I want to sort of pile in a little bit in its defence, uh, and in their defence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think nowadays, nowadays, especially with, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and loads of other franchises um, being really popular and hard to compete with, even, even Mission Impossible films, which um, are possibly the best ones to compare Bond with on a lot of, uh, in a lot of ways... They have carried some storylines through um, in Mission Impossible, not as much as other films, but so I think I think there's a bit more pressure these days to carry a story through more than in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Do you know what I mean? So you can't just almost have the reset. I agree with that. I'm, I'm not saying it's a big reset, but you can't see that he's really happy with um, with one lady and then you know all of a sudden she's forgotten by the next yeah. one. Yeah, I, I, so, I, I can't agree with that. But comparing it to like um, the relationship at the heart of the Mission Impossible films, and going back to Diana Rigg in On a Majesty's Secret Service, as fans, you would be torn. Like, you want Bond to do one more mission, but actually, you know, you want him to be loyal to the girl. You, you know, you are in the Mission Impossible films, and if it were On a Majesty's Secret Service were to carry on, you would be torn. You would want him to be happy, but you want to see another film. I just don't think that relationship is built. Strongly enough, Inspector, sadly. Yeah. But I agree those pressures are there, that there should be relationships building through the films. Even if the missions change, there should be relationships that build. Absolutely. She's the first uh, Bond girl to reprise a role in the in the entire series, I believe. Well, we had Eunice Gayson, didn't we, as a sort of secondary 
semi girlfriend, didn't we, in the first two? But as a proper a proper Bond girl, she is the first one to surpri- to reprise a role. Yeah, so I'd, I'd originally, I'm not sure her character was going to be in it. But like you say, you can't, on one hand, trying to be more respectful to women and not have the woman who you left the game for. Uh, so you sort of got they forced themselves into a corner there where they're going to have to bring her back, probably. They've got the easy route back into the plot, haven't they? Because her father, Mr. White, I mean, that's another contrivance, isn't it? They're all linked. That at least allows her to be involved in the plot, presumably. Because I'm assuming it's still linked to Spectre now. Yeah. But I think if you if you if you had this if it was planned out and if there's any thought involved in this at all, you <laughs> should be looking at you know you know like looking at those Monica Bellucci characters and say right let's let's bring her why you know why why isn't she that that could have been a real kind of relationship for Bond you know to to bring into through, yeah. through Spectre into this I don't buy for a second the relationship that he has with her. Because it's just a case of she's she's just there to drag him along, or he's dragging her along to, from one set piece to the other. It ends, and well, it has possibly the, more, the, more, the flattest ending to an action film I've ever seen, where they just yeah. like it just like Blofeld's just like sprained his ankle, and the film ends. Yeah, and then it's like Craig walked off and the film and then, and <laughs> then the trailer saying she gave you, you gave everything up for her. Well, yeah, well what did he give up? Because he, you find out in in Skyfall when he thought he was dead, he sold his flat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he doesn't have a family. He has a job that he's always threatening to quit. It, what does he actually have that he's given up for this woman? It makes no sense, and it, because it's not believable. Because he's not actually there's no you know, there's no conflict in that choice. There's no him going. I I I, I if it said. I, it's either me or the service, and he said, "Right, I will leave the service for you." It would make sense, but he's always threatening to leave. He's always saying, "I hate this job, and I'm, I'm quitting," and that sort of stuff. So, what, 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 it makes no logical sense for her to, 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 to say that. And again, it's just this writing that there's just no thought. It's just it's just you're writing it to just to, to verbalize it, but there's nothing to back it up. There's, there's no substance to it. And I think it, what would have been interesting is to see Bond with, with the Bond girl go from film to film, you know, with all these other characters. But as, as we see, it's, there's no thought. It goes, and, and it's five years. And why haven't you been starting the next script already? Why isn't this in development? Why are you waiting so long for the next one? Yeah. And then suddenly well, like, the you, you sort of scrap it. Yeah. It's bizarre. And I, I just don't understand. Why, why, why? Do you think the that? history of the, Bond as a character, do you always picture him to have absolutely love the job and he'd do anything for his country? And the, that's one of the main reasons why he yeah. would never form a, a long-lasting relationship. Absolutely. When I've been sort of going through them again, starting from the beginning recently, going through the Sean Connery ones, he has a glow about him, how much he loves his role and going into the room and knowing you know, he what he knows, what he can do. He's He's got a glow about him because he's so you know, in control and loves his job. It's like he's got the dream job. And it seems like no character will get in the way of that. And, yeah, I, I think that glow is completely gone. It's the same with Moore as well, isn't it? I mean, Moore, it, even we talked about it in the Octopussy episode, I'm not for sale. You know, there's a, yeah. there's a, a clarity to his answer there that um, get, tells you more about the James Bond character and his backbone and his patriotism and his pride in what he does than, I mean, I, I, has... I, I, this James Bond hates everything. <laughs> Not just his job, but everything. He hates everything. Yeah, he's reluctant. Is he a hero anymore? Yeah. No, well, yeah. Like, you're you're a hero. Yeah. Talking about Bond, Bond is prepared to dress up as a clown 
to get in the, the one way to <laughs> to stop a nuclear bomb from going off. And he's and he really looks like he's desperate. You know, he's really so angry with all of you know when he, he says, "Oh, you, you don't give a damn about the thousands of lives." You just cannot picture this James Bond giving that much of a toss about anybody else. No, no. But he's, this Bond is, you know, I know they were like, oh, well, we need to make him more um, selfish because that's the, the Fleming character. Yeah, the Fleming character was selfish, but only in the small ways. He wasn't selfish about human beings, you know, like, and, and as you say that, I mean, like this, again, you mentioned Mathis, like stuffing Mathis in a bin <laughs> when he's dead and people robbing him. I mean, this is just, this is, that is, this, <laughs> this is this character. That is this character now. The kind of guy that doesn't give a damn about anything, he's always threatening to go, and then the only guy who's nice to him gets him killed, robs him, stuffs him in a giant dumpster. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I'd rather slip my wrist than do another one of these. Thank you very much. Oh, dear me. But yeah, like you like you were saying, like that, you know, when you see, you know, Connery or Roger Moore turn up at you know at M's office. And you know, he's like, he makes a little joke, and then he's told there's this mission. Oh, we've already, oh, I've already booked a flight. You know, again, it's yeah. like, let, let's go and do something instead of like, oh, come on. It's like trying to coax a sullen <laughs> teenager out to come and eat, have dinner. You know, it's like, come on, come on, you can have, you can have another hour on the Xbox. Come on, you know, and, and, that, and that's, and I think that's, it's a ridiculous like that. Like, I know that Bond, you know, the Patriot being that patriotic and that kind of thing doesn't sit well nowadays yeah, and like you say we've kind of moved on but he can, he can still he, he does a job where he lives on the edge and he's potentially could be killed at any minute you, you have to commit to that it's not oh you know going to you know working in an office you know where it's like i hate my desk job well yeah but you know you're going off to places and you, you you're committing yourself to the service knowing you could potentially die if you don't want to do that, then don't do it. Go and work, you know, in an office. I don't see what your problem is. It says also like- in the trailer, though, that you'll, I assume they're talking about Bond. There's a voice that says someone is the most valuable asset we have. I think it's talking about Bond. It says, like, we, you're the most valuable asset we have. Which, so, the, you know, they're, they're trying to, yeah, like you said, they're trying to make him work. They're trying to get one last mission out of him all the time. But if you've got this, like the Batman question, again, isn't it? it is, yeah. But the question of patriotism, though, you know, like that was a long-running backbone theme for the Bond franchise. You know, even right down to the giant parachute with the Union flag on it. You know, like th- that's an iconic part. You, you don't have to disband. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to disband this totally. What you do, what you do need to do, though, is stick yourself as a writer in that scenario, in that situation, and write your way out of it. Make it contemporary. That's your challenge as a writer. Not just pretend it never happened. Like, oh, uh, quick, someone um, bring in bring in a really popular female writer. Quick, quick, quick. See, we're not patriotic anymore because we have this. Well, I'm you know, like, you, up, you can you, do you know, both. Your books, uh, Ben Bracken. You know, we're not we're not here to advertise everything, but <laughs> you've done a very good job of getting a guy who is a patriot, but he he's ashamed of a lot of what the things that are going on in his country. But he, the whole point of him is that he wants to improve things, and he and he, that's part of his character. That although you can be ashamed of certain parts of how your country's gone to the dogs, you still find the good in it, and you're still willing to do anything to protect it. But it's not—it's an international mission, isn't it? So even if you hate your country, Craig, you, you still want to save the world, don't you, from from danger? <laughs> oh, I can get an extra on the Xbox. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
where does Bond place himself in 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 his love for his job and and going forward? Like, does does he should he always want to do the job? Well, I uh, having rewatched some of the, the films again recently, it seems that he's totally committed to the to the mission. And you don't need to emphasise necessarily the love for the UK or the Commonwealth or whatever, but the mission to stopping a, a, a really dangerous threat from killing thousands or millions of people. I don't see why that is such a controversial thing. You know, like, I don't want to keep comparing it, but Ethan Hunt, you know, I, I think what Tom Cruise does really well in those films, it, it, he cares. He cares about not just his immediate team, but he cares about stopping these threats, which could kill hundreds, you know, sorry, millions of people, hundreds of people. Yeah. So, yeah. $100 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, the idea that you do get the, this this sense that Daniel Craig's Bond just he always has to be persuaded to to do this, and as though you know, please, you're so good at your job, but I know you don't want to do it. You know, you're so good at your job. It's a bit tiresome. I'd rather see him wanting to do it and not wanting to do it for personal reasons because he's stopping his foster brother or you know stepsister or goddaughter. <laughs> the sense of duty and the sense that. This is what he was put on earth to do, and he, he wants to see it through to the end to to help save the day. Bond shouldn't be about you know him asking the question when he's given a choice. He Bond shouldn't be the character of Bond should never have to ask himself the question. Well, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. That's not what Bond is about at all. That's not what Bond is about. Is about so much more than that. But like, do you remember that lovely scene in in Tomorrow Never Dies? You know, and I know <laughs> we've already berated the Purvis and Wade stuff. But is it? No, is it Tomorrow Never it Dies? It was pre. Um, it was pre Purvis and Wade. Pre Purvis and Wade. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, um, you know when he goes to see some some, some bankers in a, a little office, that's and he's just enough, I think. oh yeah, that's the start. Of- the opening is yeah. The world's not enough. With Sorry, that's case. what I meant. Sorry, the world is not enough. Yeah, with the briefcase. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. I mean. Could you imagine Daniel Craig's Bond? He'd think all that was beneath him. Well, there's no personal reason for me to be involved here, so why would I bother? I've got no skin in this game. Sorry, I'm off. You know, (laughs) We've mentioned Leah Sadu, and we're assuming that she is still the Bond girl. It'd be interesting to see if there's another Bond girl in it. It might be more like The Living Daylights, of course, when there there is really only one Bond girl. But I know that the other female new character in it is a CIA agent played by Ana de Armas, and she, of course, is reunited with Daniel Craig. She was in Knives Out with him. She she actually got nominated for a Golden Globe in that. I think he did as well. I mean, that, yeah, we, we talked about, about that before in the Craig at off Bond seems to have a new obsession with stereotypically Southern-accented uh, criminals but or criminal mastermind. <laughs> yeah, she was very good in that film, to be fair. And she she's an upcoming talent. I think that, that should surely be another bright spot. But... In a CIA agent, how, what, what? I mean, I don't know how big the role's going to be there. There was so much fanfare, wasn't there, about like the likes of Monica Bellucci, be, Monica Bellucci being involved, and then she was in it and catastrophically yeah. underused. Yeah, I, I, she could be in it for maybe a scene and a half. There's some great shots. Uh, <laughs> I say, she's forty-three though. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> quite impressive with her in. in yeah, in the in yeah. some of the set pieces involved, in the yeah. car look good. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still in the Aston Martin, of course, they aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And and the, the fact they brought brought you know got the Aston Martin from um, um, uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service and, and Living Daylights, isn't it? 
We've got the the, the yeah. 70s Aston Martin is in that. There's a shot of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm positive. You know, I, I like his suit in that scene. He's not, like, nice linen yeah, suit. Yeah. Where he's yeah. swinging off that bridge. Looks good. Yeah. I, I Lashana Lynch looks great too. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. Um, Anna de Armas, I'm encouraged by, you know, I, I, I've seen her in Blade Runner 2049 and Knives Out and I thought she was really good in both of those. So I think that's a good, you know, exciting, positive bit of casting. Um, hopefully she has a substanti- uh, you know, substantial role. And yeah, Lashana Lynch, we'll see what happens. Obviously, I think there's a bit of controversy, controversy in terms of whether she's taken on the 007 mantle or something like that. To be fair to that, all I thought that was just, if he's retired, obviously there'll be a different 007, so it's probably just that, isn't yeah, it? It yeah. doesn't need to be made a massive yeah, yeah. deal out of. Yeah, I agree. And I always like it when there's another 00 agent in, in the film. Yes, you said that, Chris, didn't you? Yeah. Saunders. Oh, no, is he? No, he's not a 00 agent, sorry. No, he's just a concept. No, no. <laughs> 009, 009. What little story yeah. you're not supposed to be. No, that, that, that's, that should be interesting. We haven't really had much in the way of chats in the films of what it's like to be a double O agent. Again, if, if we have that in this one, I assume Daniel Craig's not going to be particularly positive of his experiences as a double O agent. But it's, she, she says it, doesn't she, in the trailer, that the world's moved on, Commander Bond. So again, that, that sounds like doing the golden eye thing, doesn't it, with M? Of course the world's moved on. It's been five years since the last movie. Yeah, no, yeah. Everyone's got wife and kids, mate, since you know, since you last saw you. <laughs> there are positives there, and I quite like the continuity of the other supporting characters. So we've got Ray Fiennes as M, and I'm hoping he can just be a normal M in it. You know, give Bond the mission. He doesn't need to be as involved as he was in Spectre. He, well, they had, like we said, they had that meeting in the pub, didn't they? And he was uh, <laughs> quite heavily involved out of the office. Uh, Ray Fiennes was actually him, M. Gareth, Gareth Mallory. Uh, he ended up inspected. He he um, he killed C, played by Andrew Scott. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, he was more of a bigger villain by the end than um, the Blofeld. So yeah, he was. A, a, yeah, yeah. Quite a big thing for for a, an M in a Bond film to be doing. We were saying that it was quite, even though it might be at first glance in the world is not enough to have M directly involved in the mission. It did matter to her because of her personal connection. So there was an excuse for it there. But I think, like I say, it would be good just to see him. He's not had a chance to be just a normal M, has he yet? Because obviously he was only M at the the end of Skyfall, and now you know the whole the whole plot about, which is the same plot as Ghost Protocol, of course, but all the sort of spying on people and an agency and all that, and uh, CCTV. He couldn't really do just a normal job as M, so I I quite like to see him do that. Likewise, Naomi Harris is back uh, as, as Money Penny. Don't really know how big her role will be. Rory Kinnear again as Bill Tanner. And uh, we've mentioned Jeffrey Wright. And of course, Ben Whishaw is back. He's. <laughs> I, I've got my own more negative thoughts than some of you guys, maybe, on Ben Whishaw, as, 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 not as an actor, as, uh, as Q. He had a three a three picture contract, so this is his last one, technically. Um, and I think he, he he's, in fact, said that he's probably done with with Bond after this one so it, it might be of course if Craig goes all these the worry is that all these characters are gone and they start again but we were saying before with the M episode I'd quite like Ray Fiennes to continue you know as M there's no need to change him if you if you if you have a new Bond who's just continuing as Bond yeah I agree I think he's, I think he's an excellent M and something when he was introduced, I was really excited about him. At the end of the title, I was hopeful. And then Inspector, I think he fulfilled the promise. He's one of the, one of the promises that has been fulfilled, probably, yeah. with um, his, uh, his, his appearance as them. He's got his own uh, relationship with Craig's Bond, which is more understandable, I'd say. 
yeah, like you say, I think he's been at the heart of the story in all his appearances. It, perhaps it would be nice for him just to be in the traditional M role for this one, although I, I, I can't see it happening. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that and I'd like to see him continue because I think, although I think it seems like it's going into a cul-de-sac at the moment the Bond series if things were to continue he's certainly certainly one of the things I'd like to continue on because I think they've been a brilliant end I, I agree totally but I don't think they can he can just be well hello 007 here's your latest mission because Bond he isn't Bond's employer in this it, it, there's going to have to be something. Yeah, that's true. He's yeah. going to have to be involved yeah. more. Again, it, it, it's, it harks back to the cul-de-sac, doesn't it? And that goes against the, the history of the relationship, the traditional relationship between M and Bond, where particularly Bernard Lee, you'd say, my word, he's in charge here. But even Bond, the audience are, are quite scared of M and he recognises authority. And Bond does too, but M's like the only person really who he answers to. If that now is M begging him back, that's lost out then as well, isn't it? I mean, we're not a country club 007. Well, we jolly are. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. In fact, yeah. We, we're your local bridge group down at your village hall that's got barely any members. We are desperate for you to come back. <laughs> what would Robert Brown's M have said to Daniel Craig? Goodness me, he said, yeah, I don't really fancy this anymore. Just forget it then. Fine. You, your country literally doesn't need you. Yeah, it would. Mopey sod. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you, you always like to see Freddie Gray, defence minister, involved. I don't. We haven't quite got that now. There's Rory Rory McKinney is back involved, who's uh, the Michael Kitchen as well. Bill Tanner, though he's playing the same role. So there is a bit of continuity. We've also got sorry Jeffrey Wright uh, back as we've, we've touched upon. What what do you make, Chris, of, of Jeffrey Wright as as uh, Felix? He's on. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been twelve years since. <laughs> Quantum of Solace. Yeah, I, I like again. It was like let's let's. I think he's he's genuinely a, a really good actor, and I like his interpretation of being kind of like you believe that he'd you know be out in the field, you know, get, you know, running agents and things. There's something he has a he has a weight to him in that performance. So it's always great to see him uh, again. It's like well, how how much is he going to be in, in, involved in, in this one? But no, I think he's a great actor, and I think that, you know the, the Felix Leiter's kind of role over the years has kind of has often just been you know a scene here a scene there he's not had much involvement he's basically he's him introducing another plot point or introducing him to another character who then drives it and, he, and then he disappears obviously with the exception of sort of license to kill but yeah I, yeah I think he's great I think you kind of like I say the more of the like I'd like you know if after Craig is gone I'd like to keep I'd keep him I would keep you know um um, Ray Fines, you know, there's some some elements of, of, of casting that I would definitely want to carry on um, because that that's what kind of that just seemed to be believable and actually, you know, you kind of you look forward to seeing them as opposed to like, oh, they're just going to talk for five minutes and I'm going to listen to that until there's yeah. another explosion. Skip the talking scenes. So we used to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but Q's Q's an odd one, isn't he? Because. He's almost like an anti-Q. People must have hated what Desmond Llewellyn was, was doing all those years with those awful gadgets. Oh, they're to- so awful and boring, those. Uh, we want to get rid of them. Do, do you think they'll have a return to more gadgets in this one? I don't know. Like, you know, again, it, it, it's, it's down to the... Like, Skyfall, the gadgets he gets is a, a gun that can read his fingerprints. It's like, has, 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 has Bond seen an iPhone? You know, has he, uh, it, it will blow his mind that something can read his fingerprints. And he's given a, a literal tiny, 
you know, tiny walkie-talkie that has a little aerial as well. If you just <laughs> want to watch it, today, I was like, this is from Austin Powers, uh, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, and, and then obviously gets the car that for some strange reason is labeled using a label maker. You know, it's like, again, it, I think Q it is as good as the writing can be. You know, if they want him to be in it, if they want to, you know, what was the great thing about, you know, that, you know, with obviously with the original Q, Desmond Llewellyn, that that he was he was he was likable, and there was that they wrote in that clearly they saw this conflict was amusing. So let's build on that. The conflict between these two is forced because it's like, well, that's what that's what Q does, isn't he? he tells him off, bring it back in one piece, double or seven. It's like really you know and you know making references to the fact that he can't you know the bond can't use a, a laptop you know while 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 he sits in the corner saving the world from cyber terrorism which is the least <laughs> cinematic format you can possibly have <laughs> after the laptop you know but i don't have a problem with him as an actor i think again it was an interesting trying to make him this kind of hipster sort of techno kind of guy you know um but yeah, it's again, it's just the uh, wasted, you know, opportunity. You know, in one hand, it's trying to attempt to make it interesting by making making someone younger, trying to make you know Bond seem out of date, and then you know just not doing anything with it. It's like again, wasted opportunity. I accept it's a good idea. You know, when it when in Skyfall, we don't go in for that anymore. The audience laughed and they loved it, but it's like, where do you go from there? Yeah. Since then, Q's mainly sort of been a, like, just a computer geek, hasn't he? Which we've never seen Desmond Llewellyn do, which, which is fine. You can do different things with the character. Um, and, of course, in the last one, they all had, you know, the chat in the pub. I keep obsessed with that. I seem to be obsessed with that. <laughs> but they were, they were, at least they were a team, weren't they? Um, yes. And I think there'll be – because, like I said, we've got, we've got Felix back, and I'm assuming because – because the CIA are back involved, which underrated, there's quite a lot of in Quantum of Solace. He'll have a team of CIA agents, so he'll have Anna Duarmas. I think possibly uh, there's another couple of new actors who who are playing those other parts. So yeah, that's that's something interesting. And uh, I, I don't even know whether it's set in America though. I don't, not even sure whether any of it is set in America. So there must be some kind of American connection to it, which is quite interesting. We just haven't got to yours yet. I think it's shot in Finland, some of it, and then yeah, is it set? Shot, is it set um, in kind of South America? Or? Yeah, the, the, the places that have been shot in, that, as far as we know, are Norway. The Faroe Islands, Jamaica again, which is obviously a traditional Bond location. It uh, doesn't mean it's set in Jamaica, of course. Uh, Matera, which is some of those incredible shots from the trailer with the the, the motorbike going up in the air. Uh, that's that's in Matera. That's actually where Passion of the Christ is filmed. It's like a sort of very ancient uh, looking looking ancient city. So that should be should lend itself to looking good. I think. I think some some was filmed in Scotland. I don't know whether it'll be set in Scotland. And of course, London. So, to be fair, they, they have uh, they've pushed the boat out, and Bond will be going to interesting places, including his apartments in the trailer, which is an absolutely beautiful lakeside apartment. <laughs>
I think it's another indication that, that I think there is a chance that this villain has some kind of intention of harming the world. Um, yeah. You know, it does have a scheme that's big. Like I said, Craig says, you know, history isn't kind to people who try and play God. So he's trying to do something big. And it seems that it's attracted the interest of the CIA, which which is, you know, a, a bigger scale, um, certainly from Skyfall and probably Spectre. So that's I think that's something positive. And for me, you know, the the grander the scale, hopefully the smaller Craig becomes, if you know what I mean. If it's, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah, it's part of the plot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And more about something bigger, which... So there are some signs there that, 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 that could be quite an exciting story. The main thing we also that came out of the trailer is it's so long ago now since it came out. The the big reveal was that Blofeld was in it because he, Christoph Waltz had said that he turned it down, I think, or he wouldn't be returning. And then all we we didn't hear anything more of it. And then he was revealed to be in it in the trailer. But Matt, Matt where do you think they can put Blofeld in? Because uh, he, I mean, he, in the last film, he was hardly used. He wasn't really in the first half of it much and then no sooner has he been revealed as a villain bond's already defeated him tom yeah i'm uh i am trying my best to be uh to be positive <laughs> <laughs> i'm really i'm you know I, um skyfall i enjoyed and it was the most been most enjoyed a daniel craig bond film and i thought he was at his most likable as bond in it and it felt to strike the most the, the best on tone for me and then so to hear that the next film you know they got the rights to Spectre, and that Christoph Waltz was going to be. Well, they didn't. They didn't say it for some reason. They couldn't say that he was going to be Blofeld, but everyone knew he would be. And they expect twists. Yeah. yeah. But, so I just think that's enough for him. You know, you get a really good actor who's brilliant at playing. You know, scene chewing villains. That's that's enough. You don't need to then make him also make him Bond's foster brother. I, I think I've. I've said this, I might have said it, I've certainly said it to, to some of uh, you guys before, but to me, the, the idea that, that James Bond, you know, a super spy who takes down, you know, international terrorist organisations o- over the world, the idea that his foster brother is somehow secretly the head of what, separately, the head of the biggest of all of those, <laughs> is far more realistic than an invisible car, for me. And I think yeah. it's far more expensive, personally. I, I just, I can't, I cannot, I can't get past it, and I'll struggle with it on, you know, when I see the film, and it really annoys me because I, I love Waltz. I, th- I, you know, I think he's he's so, you know, he's great to watch, and I was excited about the fact that he was going to be involved with the Bond film, but now, what what are they going to be, you know, well, are they going to be harking back to old family traditions, and you know that his dad loved him more than uh, I, I just don't <laughs> dad didn't want love him. me. One of his lines in the trailer, one of Blofeld's line is that. When our secret finds its way out, it will be the death of you to Bond. Which I'm, I'm trying to work out. Does that suggest that people are going to be after Bond because he's the brother of Blofeld? Is that going to be? Did it come so, out in the last film? I can't remember. Who, who knows about it? Is it just him and Leia to do? Sure. He, 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 he knows it from the start. Blofeld, and then he tells. Yeah, because you know, it's cuckoo and all that. <laughs> but I just. Well, the other family then, connection and has uh, been forgotten is Leia Sadu is Mr. White's daughter and who uh, yeah. apparently was always involved in Spectre, wasn't he? So any writer coming in has got to deal with all that as, if yeah, you're going to I mean, use those characters. That'd be quite a strange Christmas for uh, <laughs> and, uh, Madeline Swan. 
right next to the name, actually. Yeah. Can can I can I make a prediction? The Swan is um, white, you, of course. I presume that's the connection. <laughs> Carry on. You'll have to you'll have to bleep out massively, to, uh, Harry. I'm so. <laughs> I think that it'll be that, you know, um, there'll be a big reveal sort of like halfway through the movie that you guys all know about the spoilers, right? You know, the the, the suggested spoilers. Yeah. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. Well, one of them. Yeah. I know. Because I, I don't want to I don't want to take it away from anybody. But Chris, do you, no, no. Do you know? Uh, I, 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 to be honest with you, um, it's fine. You can spoil it for me. I'm not. No, I don't want to do that. No, 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 no please. But I've, I've, give I've a spoiler alert to the listeners. So if you don't yeah. want to hit well, a I, major plot point, one of the then. Big, one of the, okay. If, 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 I don't think it's come out in illegitimate ways. Yeah, well, no, I thought someone had nicked a call sheet from the set, which detailed oh, yeah. a five-year-old girl. That's the where I'm going with this one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I think there's, I think there's going to be just the suggestion that this is Bond's progeny. And but I think that the secret is actually it's not it's it's Blofeld's progeny. Yeah, and then like when you when you know our secret, oh, it's going to be the end of you. Oh, because that kid you've been raising isn't actually yours. Oh, and that will open up. Oh, well, Bond can be Bond again now. Do we think it's even green? Oh, I just to be honest, I just could not care less. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I think yeah, I, there's, there's, there's no there's no outcome. Where whatever is the secret is revealed, that I will honestly yeah. oh. give a shit about. I will, you know, I'll be like <laughs> it will just, it will just wash out. It'll be like, oh, right, yeah, you know. <laughs> there, there is, yeah. There's no way I'll be seeing this in the cinema. I will barely be able to see this on on DVD. There's just no way. I, I, I will, I will. I've, uh, you know, I've always tried to. Um, Watch every Bond film since I can since Goldeneye at the uh, the cinema, and I've tried to watch the majority of them on opening on opening night. You know, sometimes more reluctantly than others. Anyway, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'll definitely be. I'll definitely be looking forward to seeing the premiere of it and seeing what the audience reaction is to it. It's quite interesting. Like I say, when when I watched Skyfall in a packed cinema, you could tell the audience were enjoying it, and for all the criticism we have of it in terms of maybe the plot and Daniel Craig. It is a crowd pleaser, and they can do it. They, they are capable of making a, a good action mm. film that, that people are interested in. I know there's the the argument, or who are we making this film for? Are we making it for people who grew up with Roger Moore? Are we making it for people who grew up with Jason Bourne and and then that kind of steel-nosed action character who doesn't really bleed and all that? Are we trying to go back to the Connery films? And that's part of the problem, isn't it? The Spectre was a mishmash of all those things and got it wrong in pretty much every department. So if if they've got a general direction that they're going in in this film, even if they have, it doesn't matter because it's it's still going to be the last film of of Craig, isn't it? And and that the, they're probably going to start all over again. I'm I'm really excited for any Bond film going forward, but I can't get too excited, and I can't get too invested in it. I've just got to hope that I enjoy the individual film for on its own merits. I need to I need to grow up a bit here, guys. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, this is what we why we love our movies and we love our pop culture and we love the the legacy that these movies have had on us as people and as as consumers of stories. And this is I mean, James Bond is one of the reasons why I, I love doing these podcasts. I love writing the books. I write. I love all this stuff. I love watching movies. It's all because of James Bond, and that's why I get so passionate about it. Um, and I just want it to go on forever in the right way and in the right spirit. And I just don't. I I, I got so many. I feel so let down by where it's all gone that that's where my head is at. So um, I apologise for any perceived negativity. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a man and I'm gonna go and watch this in the cinema. 
I've had a talk yes, with bro. myself Good in, the lad. in the last five minutes. I'm going Good to go lad. to the cinema and watch. If you, if you grow up with playing as James Bond in your head and going in the garden with a fake machine gun, you know, we, we, we us lads, we, we even filmed James Bond adventures on the camcorder. We were obsessed. And you, you grow up with that sense of wanting to be James Bond. Anything is, is almost going to fail, isn't it? Because it, we have to admit, when Pierce Brosnan was announced as Bond and Goldeneye came out, I mean, it's just... It was everything we were hoping for as Bond fans and yeah. as children. Yeah. I guess since then, it, to a certain extent, each one hasn't quite lived up to that. It's that you, you're damned, aren't you, because you're so invested in them personally and you want them to be done in a certain way. If they try and tinker with the formula, I, I for one, have probably got too offended too easily at them. And when I have actually rewatched some of the craze recently, I'm weirdly finding that Quantum of Solace is actually better than I remembered. <laughs> but Spectre isn't as good as I remembered. So it, you have, I don't know, with any with any Bond film, you, people some, sometimes have certain ones they never really liked growing up. I mean, we'll, we'll go into massive detail on each, each of the previous Bond films, as we will with No Time to Die. But your relationship with each individual films in the series changes. And I think if you weren't brought up at a certain time and you, you were brought up with Daniel Craig's your Bond, uh, particularly the first two, you might struggle with some of the more, you know, Diamonds Are Forever and, uh, you know, Sheriff J.W. Pepper. You know, so you, know, you might look back at them and say, oh, they're stupid. So I can, I can appreciate there are different takes on the character. We've still got James Bond, thank goodness. There's still some form of James Bond. We'll be hearing Hans Zimmer do the James Bond theme. We'll be seeing some decent stunts. Hopefully we'll have, we'll have at least an enjoyable film for the near three hours that it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I think that 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 you know, for me, it doesn't necessarily have to be you know that those bomb films are made for me. It doesn't have to be my idea of it. But I think first and foremost, it still has to be a good film, and then it's a good bomb film. And that the problem with these ones recently is that because they are trying to please everyone, because they're being pulled in so many different directions of. It has to, let's hit the notes that make it a Bond film, but at the same time, we don't really want to be a Bond film. We want to be like Mission Impossible. No, we want to be like you know The Dark Knight. We want to be like this. Is that it, it's it's all over the place. So as a film, it just doesn't work, and I think that's where I, I struggle with it. I don't have to love the, the, the you know that you know there are some elements in all the Bond films where I kind of cringe and think, oh, if it was me, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that. But it is what it is. But I still think they're solidly made films, regardless. And like we say, like you know. Moonraker is being, you know, disregarded as being a bad film. It's not a bad film. It's a, it's a well constructed film. There are elements in it that you would hate. Like, why is he going into space? What's all this? But you know, it is a well constructed film where it has a strong narrative and it has interesting scenes, and it's it is a solid uh, solid films. These new ones are uh, it's so much by committee that that none of it is satisfying. You know, and and I think that's where I kind of struggle with that. I watch it and think. Oh well, I was you know I was quite behind Daniel Craig at the beginning of this, but when we got when we get to Spectre, I can't wait for him to go because his <laughs> interpretation of the character isn't isn't particularly uh, uh, one that you want to see. But then there might be other kids in that cinema who think, well, this is my Bond. I think this is you know he is the, the Bond of now. You know he's a bit grumpy, he's a bit selfish and stuff. And I think you know it's, you know what has society done to to make this sort of character. But I still don't think that they're well-constructed films. And I think that's where I think that, you know, it comes down to taste, but then it comes down to sort of quality. And I think that these last films lack quality. Um, you know, because there are like Roger Moore films where, I, you know, I was always like, 
oh, I'll skip that one as I'm going through the collection. And then you go back and watch it again and think, well, actually, there's some, there's some really great stuff in here. Revisiting the Daniel, couple of Daniel Craig's recently, I, I struggled to see anything particularly positive in it because it seems to be, oh, it's going to be, we're going to, 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 to Scotland and he's looking after M and then suddenly it turns into, you know, Home Alone. And, and I'm like, hang on a minute. A minute ago, we had this great villain being introduced. He had some great, you know, some proper sharp dialogue. And, you know, it was, it was kind of suddenly you were on in, uneven ground where he's like sort of flirting with Bond and Bond kind of doesn't know what to do and doesn't it. It's a great scene. And then that was great. Wasn't it, that, yeah. And then it's gone. You know, that has his, and I think, you know, I'll, 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 each Bond film has its merits. I think the, the, these recent ones I've struggled with because they just, they just, they're not solid. That was the old, old good thing is like, you know, at least you'd get these, at least you'd get a great action scene. Spectre, I can't even, I watched it two nights ago, I can't remember any of the action from it. It's so unforgettable. And as we as we consume so much content, whether it's TV or films or kind of books, you need something that's memorable. Take time is six minutes. Check. You said, I don't know, it might have been you, Matt, that what you, what you want to put on is a, a Sunday afternoon. You don't really have to think about the film too much. At least Skyfall has that sort of credit to it. It is a, it is an enjoyable film, and I just don't know whether we're going to see that in No Time to Die. Yeah, well, without wanting to just repeat and repeat, it, I agree with Chris, it needs to be a good action film first and foremost. You know, you, you want to watch and you enjoy watching its escapism and, you know, something that you want to watch. You know, there are some really good films that I love that I don't really, you know, I've watched them once. I'm not sure I'd be in a hurry to watch them again because, it's you know, it's, it's not quite the right, you know, thing to, I don't know. They, there's an effect that they have on you that makes you not want to revisit them perhaps, but... Bond is not one of those things. Bond should be something that you want to stick on. This, watch the same Bond film once once a year or once every two years. And I don't know. I, I 30% optimistic, 70% pessimistic about the, the chances of, of that being possible with no time to die. Would that be like the bare minimum as a success for you that if, if it's something that you bears repeated viewing even? Uh, yeah, I think so. So like I say, I think Skyfall, I, I have issues with it you know some quite big quite big issues but at the end of the day i i quite like when i'm when i'm watching it i enjoy it and that's that's a rarity for me with with craig's bond films so that that's why it's not a brilliantly emphatic yardstick but it's 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 something and you know i hope that that that, that this one can do that it goes back to what chris said about moonraker if, if you just disregard stuff based on bond is in space you're missing a good what hour and forty minutes before that of a proper good Bond film on Earth, <laughs> and there's an awful lot to enjoy uh, in in that that comes before. So even if there are things we we might not like about this film, it is important. I don't know. We just got to see like almost Rob's made a commitment to be uh, <laughs> at least go and watch it. So if we all try and make a commitment to see it with see it with open eyes anyway but it is so it's so difficult to go to a new bond film without your prejudices and worries especially because we know so much about the production history and the cast and the general direction of the last few films it's it's very hard to just empty your mind of that and get your popcorn out and enjoy it as as a James Bond film what do you reckon Harry um i think my opinion i, sh- I share all your opinions but 
I do want to enjoy it. I want part part of the reason I'm frustrated is because I want to enjoy James Bond films. So in my head, I've got to kind of psychologically prepare myself to enjoy these films. And what, uh, one of the ways that I I can choose to do that is to uh, imagine that this is you know the end of Bond, and there might be a, a few in a few years' time, Bond might come to an end, and that's it. Um, because it's sort of written itself into oblivion. So that for that reason, I'll try and tell myself that I need to enjoy seeing James Bond films at the cinema while I can before they might <laughs> become even worse or even less recognisable. This might be the most recognisable Bond is ever again. So I'm going to try and have that outlook so that when I see the gun barrel at the start, which isn't even a given at the moment. No, I was going to say. Yeah. You know, that will be something that I can smile about in the cinema. When a title sequence ends and it goes into the song, I'll smile about that. Um, and, there, you know, I'm sure there'll be things that I'll be disagreeing with along the way, but I, I will try and try to uh, engage and appreciate the events, the James Bond events. The, the way it's going, it's it looks like it might not be around forever. Um, so I, I, I don't know. That's, I'm gonna, that's my sort of bittersweet outlook on it. What do you think, Rob? Uh, I know you. You said you. No, I, I've convinced. You're not myself marching that, back. Um, no, I've convinced myself that um, I'm gonna have a really good time. So yeah, good can't luck. wait. I'm gonna be there, smiling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it with um, open eyes. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna enjoy myself. Well, I think that's that's the main thing. And really, 007 will be looking forward to it. We will be reviewing it in massive depth. Might have a uh, sort of a instant first reaction review of it after we've seen it in the cinema, and then we'll give it the the huge once over when it comes out on Blu-ray and whatever. But uh, yeah, cinema has been away for a long time by November. Hopefully much more has been in the cinemas and we've uh, been back to our habits of going uh, whenever we can. And hopefully we'll be looking forward to going to a packed cinema house with James Bond, the John Barry themes, the, the you know, the Monty Norman theme playing. Hopefully it'll be the start of something new. And sometimes it has to I keep saying this a lot in life at the moment, particularly with coronavirus and everything that's going on, but, it has to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> so uh, let's let's hope that uh, this one is is on the upward curve uh, after Spectre. But thanks for listening, everybody. We've uh, enjoyed discussing the film. I know we might not always be the most positive, but we're being honest, James Bond fans. We are slightly worried about No Time to Die, but uh, we're hoping it will be superb and that all the best bits in the trailers will come to fruition and turn it into a classic James Bond 007 adventure. So thanks, guys, for for joining me tonight, and we will be back with you very soon. Guys, uh, since we made that controversial recording, where (laughs) not all of us are, are present to discuss the big news now that No Time to Die has been pushed back from November until April, which is another huge delay. So the film will be coming out at the earliest, pretty much a year after it was meant to. And it's almost dating before our very eyes. So we don't have uh, Rob with us this uh, this time, but we have uh, Chris, we have Math, and we have Harry. So first of all, Chris, were you expecting this news or... Or was it still a bit of a shock, given that the promotion that they just sort of upped the ante with? Uh, yes, I, I think that it, it was the, clearly they were 
going for a release and then had second thoughts at the last minute. I think it, ma- it makes perfect sense. I think a film that has cost this much to, to, to put it out now would be would be it would, be, it, would, it, would it would be a loss. We still don't know the, like the, the the full kind of box office figures for Tenant, and that was you know uh, that was a that was risky. However, I would have liked to have seen something a bit more uh, creative. I would like would have been nice for for maybe the Bond to, to say something like you know a bit like Disney Plus with Mulan. It's it's fifteen pounds to watch it. But also, you get a free cinema ticket, so when things are out, you can go and watch it. So, you know, th- just something. Yeah. But the, the fact that they've gone, no, it's April. Obviously, it has the effect on you know Cine World and and and, and the rest is is a shame. It, I understand. I just maybe I don't know. Maybe there's something in there to, to think about. When we do, it's release streaming, but we also do something else with it going forward. I mean, it's we don't know how this is going to affect the cinema industry. And obviously, this has particularly dented the the cinema industry in terms of the actual cinemas because they were thinking, "Oh, well, at least we've got Bond to look forward to." Mm, yeah. Tenet was the only show in town. It did it didn't do too badly considering the circumstances, but obviously, it wouldn't have got it would have got more probably once it, if it was released uh, in normal circumstances. So, obviously, the cinemas are disappointed, and they've perhaps been a bit unfair to blame it all on James Bond, because they, they can't sort of answer to that, uh, really, can they? can't sort of be held accountable, because lots of the other films, of course, have, have already moved ship. They've already gone ahead. Mm. And I think it was No Time to Die, which is the first real big movie that did uh, shift, just as just as the onset was coming in, in, in March. It did move to November. But even April, we don't know. It's just a stock date, a holding date, I think, mm. because it's... It's the same date as one of the new Fast and the Furious films. So, Math, do you think perhaps Bond, uh, Broccoli and Wilson, that they see this as a cinema franchise, so they desperately want it to come out first on the cinema? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I, you know, I think that, that's an interesting idea that, that Chris has mentioned, but I don't know, when it's Bond, I just think it's cinema. You know, that that is where it belongs. With Tenet, you know, it was great to, to, to go and see it and it seemed like, wow, you know, seeing a big film on the cinema again is, is brilliant. Obviously, that was in the summer when things seemed to be getting better and better and, you know, restrictions were being eased and eased and it still didn't do amazingly. And now it seems like we're on a bit of a downward slope. So I think a cinema release for it, I can understand that they're going to make a massive loss if, if they do. So they've got the business brain. But then there is, there is the argument that... that if they do wait for a cinema, cinematic release and, and don't do, you know, video on demand, will people be a bit tired, not as bothered? You know, they'll think, well, hang on, you've already been advertising that. It doesn't seem as fresh or exciting. Like, we've seen the trailers for that. We've, we've heard the song released at two separate points in the year. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, hopefully it is April and hopefully things are, are back to normal and that can be a real event for people to get back to cinemas. We've been a bit down on Craig as Bond on this podcast. We have to apologise for that to some of the <laughs> some of the listeners who are big Craig fans. Now, some of us obviously uh, have enjoyed his stints more than others, but it does prolong his tenure. Even for himself, he was obviously get sort of almost happy that it was over, getting used to moving on to other things. You know, I think he was on Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel or uh, Jimmy Fallon, sorry, trying to promote a film that isn't even coming out now. So. Do you think that Broccoli and Wilson, Harry, are slightly worried that 
if they just get rid of it and then move on to the next bond, it's too risky. The franchise isn't bulletproof, perhaps. I think there is perhaps that. Yeah, like Matt said, it's a it's a franchise that is worthy of the screen and also a good one that people might return to the cinemas for. You know, it's a, a big event. But as Matt said, the question is whether they've waited too long. And I imagine Wilson and Broccoli will be really now frantically wondering how they do promote it in the new year. Because I think April is certainly not for certain that, is it? And for it to be delayed by over a year um, is such such a big problem for the promotion. Because it will have had two or three promotions by that time. And as Chris said, they have to be really creative to keep the passion alive for it. And if there is this sense that it's Craig's last film and, you know, does Bond die and he's got a son and all that, I don't think this is... I think <laughs> I, I, I get the impression possibly the, the, they might be quite proud of this film, possibly, I have no idea, and not willing to um, let it just fall by the wayside as just another Bond film. It seems to be Craig's way of bowing out. I think they want it to get all the attention it deserves and would probably be willing to throw throw money at that situation, I think. I think now, if they were Broccoli and and Maggie Wilson, I think this would be a really good time to get all the ducks in a row for um, for uh, the next Bond. Yeah. And I, I think if they've any sense about them, by the time it comes to April, and hopefully it gets released, they'll be able to say, you know, this is this, and then immediately afterwards maybe, and now... The next Bond is going to be... will return. Yeah. yeah. And, oh. and have that. I don't think they'll want the new, you know, the new Bond overshadowing the promotion for this and everything. No. But once it's, you know, once it's over, they can go bang, you know, and keep that momentum for Bond going, especially when, you know, if, if it goes well and it's popular. So I really hope they're going to do that. But that does depend on the story as well, doesn't it? It depends how, how much of a finale this really is or whether it is going to quite nicely move on to another film with no idea. They've, they've already been hinting at who they want on board for the next film, so that's positive that it's not all coming to an end. But they have said they wouldn't mind Kerry Fukunaga returning as director, which is an unusual move if it's going to be a new actor. I think by all accounts from Daniel Craig's interviews, he's saying it's his last. Now, I know Roger Moore said it a few times, Sean Connery said it a few times, Craig may have said it a few times. <laughs> uh, they've, they've all sort of distanced themselves from doing another one. But if it was a huge box office success and everybody loved it again, you never know. They might have been tempted to get Craig back again. I, th- I think it's I think it's unlikely. I think it's more likely that they will move on. And I think this whole process of promoting it and not promoting it over a year will have tired Daniel Craig. He will be early 50s now, isn't he? So I think he'll, because he's had success in... You know, these other things like Knives Out, he's probably going to want to just move on now. But I think Broccoli and Wilson, they love Craig so much. They Honestly, they, they think he's been the best thing, whatever we think, they think he's been the best thing to happen to the Bond franchise in their tenure, I think. They'll want to give him a good send-off. They'll want to sort of have, ideally, you'd have tie-in programmes, wouldn't you, on TV? I know we it's coming dangerously close. It won't quite get to the 60th anniversary. But when we had Dine of the Day out, you know, there's a BAFTA tribute with all the old Bond actors were there. Uh, Michael Parkinson was uh, was uh, introducing that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think they'll, I think they want to get the Craig tenure to end with a bang, and I think they'll make sure they can do that. I don't know, I th- Chris. Do you think do you think the delay will have just delayed everything? I I, I don't think they'll have been thinking 
much more about the next few films in particular. I think they'll just be worried about this one, really. Yeah, no, I, no, I think you, I think you're right. It, it would make sense. What else have you got to do if the, 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 the if the film <laughs> finally if, if the film is being edited and it's like locked and you know you've done you you've got your promotional stuff all signed off and that's it surely now like you're saying that now is a great time to construct a really good story get some decent writers you know and whether you know you get the same director returning that's fine you know it's it it, it should be a luxury to to the 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 filmmakers to go now we've got this time we 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 know we've got a film in the can here's a release date let's start looking at the next one start constructing something and not have this, oh, it's all rushed and the script wasn't finished when we started production and then we brought on half a dozen writers just before production and then people were rewriting on set. Just for once, you've got this huge window of opportunity to start chipping away at getting a really good story for when you've got a new bond. You know, have a think about what you want to do with with the, the you know the series. Is it is it a fresh start? Is it, you know, are you going to reboot it or is it just going to be, let's just, it is just a Bond film. Let's not get bogged under with with oh he's young now or he this is you know he's old or he's about to go into retirement. You know it's just here's a new standalone adventure. Just get your get all your ducks in the row and and come out the gates uh, to use plenty of analogies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're being punished though because they've been so slow. You know it's been five years. It's it would have been five years without the pandemic before Spectre. So if they'd have had it released in time for November 2019, I mean, goodness me, that was four years, then it would be perfect time to release it. Yeah. And then they've got all this time to be getting on with the next film, the next actor. Personally, I think the Tom Hardy rumours take it or leave it. I, like I say, I think they'll be concentrating on giving Daniel Craig a good send-off. They wouldn't want that to get out at this stage. And they will be waiting to see what happens with the box office, what happens with the critical reaction. Because they are reactionary now, aren't they? They don't just go... Oh, we've got the next few films in our head, and the the actor we've got for the next ten years. They they're sort of seeing who's hot mm. right now, really, and a lot of a lot of the, what they're doing. I think coronavirus is just going to keep keep playing with them until they come up with a proper poster. I think <laughs> even if it takes five six promotions, it will not let it be released until they have a proper James Bond poster that isn't him against a blank background oh, by himself. With 007. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I reckon the vaccine might come as soon as we get that poster. <laughs> That's what they've been waiting for. Yeah. Well, you look at some of the old ones. We've been looking at some of them and some of the, the fan ones on Twitter and some of the artists. Is it Sean Long? Sean Longmire, Chris? I mean, some of the posters these people have been doing. I mean, Again, there are Bond fans out there, not just in the story stakes, in the creative stakes all around, that would be doing a better job than half these people. I, I do also want to say that um, how disappointed I am, even though it's it was it became inevitable that we wouldn't be able to have a, a release of it. We've been building kind of as a, as a podcast, and, you know, we have our reservations and our issues, but just by discussing it and discussing the films, we were pumped, we were primed and ready for another yeah, um, on the yeah. cinema. So I'm, I'm really, really disappointed that it's been postponed, and I, I really was looking forward to having a new James Bond to discuss, but... We, you know, we're just going to have to be prepared to wait for that. Yeah. I mean, we've got two hours and 43 minutes to look forward to, so it will feel like a long time in the cinema. <laughs> loads loads of fat to chew on. Yeah. Goodness me. 
But we can say those immortal words, James Bond will return in 2021, hopefully. But if not, we will still be here waiting. Maybe it'd be a good chance for them to sort of re-promote the entire film series, get a new set of documentaries out, a new set of Blu-rays. I think George Lucas would have done something like that. Really. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.